As a shaman, I am like a multidimensional or hyperdimensional being, okay? I am able to perceive multiple different frequencies of light beyond my five senses. And it allows me to see into these other higher dimensions that these entities, these pedophiles, these rapists, these murderers, these really high up people, that they almost like hide in the shadows in. Nobody can see that because the third eye ain't open. Okay, and that's where things like fluoride and stuff like that comes in. So the horns, the horns are, hey man, you mess with the buffalo, you get the horns, bro. And if you ever tried messing with the buffalo, that doesn't work out too well for many people. <laughs> listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Second run. Yes, you're listening to Sick or Not. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hello, I'm Kate Rambo. Happy New Year there, Kate Rambo. Yes, Happy New Year to you. Uh, how did the Jews say Happy New Year? Is it like Mazel Tov? No, we just say Happy New Year like everybody else. We're, oh, we're well, normal people, Oh, well, you guys have a Kate. different... You guys have, like, Passover, don't you? That's, yeah, that's no, like your we're, we're normal people. We're, we're just normal. regular people who also celebrate New Year's. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can, you can try and pass that off. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of my New Year's resolutions is that I wasn't going to bring up the Jewish problem within, like, the first 30 seconds of the podcast, and guess what? <laughs> I am yeah, you human. Already, yeah, you already violated <laughs> it. I have. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough for you to do that, though. But maybe I mean, it's... Yeah, I w- it's a really bad habit, uh, and I'm trying to... <laughs> is that, you know, so maybe, that's your New Year's resolution, is to curb the anti-Semitic remarks? Maybe one of them. Oh, yeah, maybe, good, maybe like, you know, thing. even if I just stop doing it, like, you know, 5% of the time, it'll help. Well, maybe yeah. with, like, within, like, you know, the first two minutes, maybe just, like, not make an anti-Semitic remark. It wasn't anti-Semitic, what I said. It's, it's genuine curiosity. It's exclusionary. <laughs> is that how like you Jews feel? can't celebrate New Year's; they have to celebrate their own Jewish New Year. We do, do. but we also exactly. celebrate they regular do. New Year's because we're regular people. Okay, so you get two New Years. Well, that's yeah, hooray we for you. I wish we had two New Years because I love New Year. It's one, I like it. I'm into it. New Year's? Wait, you actually enjoy that holiday? I love New Year's. Like I, oh. I've always liked New Year's. It's like a great, you know, it's a it's a promise of a new year. I like it. And plus it's like you know, the relief of Christmas is gone. It's my birthday soon. And yeah. It's like, I like a start fresh kind year. of thing. Um yeah, but did, like did you didn't get to do anything for New Year? Aren't you guys in like a major lockdown? Yeah, we are, but like I always treat myself because I've spent like the last couple of New Year's alone. So I like I treat myself like like a fucking queen for New Year's. I spent two days making a spinach and ricotta lasagna. I bought Whoa, like a really expensive fancy. bottle of wine and I watched Showgirls. I danced to the Rolling Stones with my cat. I had a great night. It was so much fun. But I mean, you guys are in a lockdown though. Like you couldn't have gone out if, even if you wanted to. Oh, no, no. We're in a lockdown until apparently April. April? That's with, That's what like they're all coming out and saying. God, or do they like, because I know like in the UK, they have like CCTV everywhere. Mm-hmm. So do they monitor your guys' every move? Like with, how would they know if you're, if you're not adhering to the lockdown? Well, there's definitely, you know, snitches. Oh, I'd snitches. There's a lot more British snitches, isn't there? There's like, you know, your neighborhood watches. Like a Gestapo days. Oh, yeah, totally. The black shirts of Britain. So if you had like a couple people over, your neighbors might actually snitch on you. 
My neighbors are all pretty cool, but I would just not do that anyways. I'm just saying, like, if like being in well, lockdown you don't means have we get friends. rid of the COVID. Hey, <laughs> I have like two friends. <laughs> <laughs> They're also anti-Semitic. They're also, yeah, and we, we meet up at the meetings and like, I'm really missing those meetings right now. Oh yeah, those two guys with the Aryan tattoos. Yeah, oh my God, I miss them. I miss going curb stomping every weekend. That was my favorite hobby. So it's been a rather boring start to the year here in the US of A. I don't know. Oh yeah, probably I... the most boring start <laughs> so to boring any, this week. any new year of America. Yeah. yeah. Nothing newsworthy happened <laughs> at all. Yeah, nothing I can really think of happened this week that is even remarkable, but yeah. I'm lying, of course. So um you know, what did uh, what did you guys think of the uh, Civil War? Or should I say, retard insurrection uh, retard that occurred this past Wednesday? I just think it's funny because obviously, you know, over over in Europe, over here, it's like, um, you know, the James Franco meme where it's like, first time, first time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> first time going for like, you know, parliament or whatever like that. Yeah, you know, we experience it here. France, Paris, they'll riot at the drop of a hat, mate. Like, They'll go for it. Well, we so. have lots of riots, obviously. But I, I can't, mm-hmm. the last time I think anyone tried to storm the Capitol was like in 1814. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, people like in the news. It I was saw, great to watch. You know, I saw all the uh, like, uh, you know, the pundits and uh, the, the late night television hosts being like, it's a date that will live in infamy. Uh, no, it's a date that will live in hilarity. Have you Yay. seen the memes? <laughs> uh, yeah. Kong? Well, do you know what? I was... I was on the memes instantly. I created a meme as like early doors. It, my meme got banned. The Viking guy hat or the Viking hat <laughs> The Viking guy. guy hat, yeah. I made a meme, tried to get it out there. But my but favorite it, one was Honky Kong, which this guy's just climbing up the wall. Or then all these other people being like, see, walls don't really work. Yeah, I like the um, the wall one, but it said um, they're still trying to find the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel's like, it's a dark day for democracy. Everyone's all like serious. Jimmy Kimmel. You know? Like, oh, fuck off, Jimmy fucking Kimmel. Who's going to him for news advice? Stephen Jeez. Colbert, it's like a dark day for democracy. You got to mean, it's the most entertaining day for democracy. How often, mm. seriously, how often do you get to see a full retard insurrection i mean we got a guy wearing a like no shirt a viking hat with like a i don't know it's like a bear skin or something like you know fucking like flexing on the podium of of, you know up in in the senate you got another guy who stole the speaker of the house's podium and just was walking out waving i did love his trump woolly hat it was it was the best it was one of my favorite favorite days to be an american to be yeah, honest. Be proud. Oh, yeah. I was so proud. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, how else did you think a Donald Trump presidency would conclude? Like, how did you think it was going to end? Like, what what, you, what what were you thinking? I wanted, and I mean, it's there's still time for it to happen. I really want him to not leave the White House uh, and he, the Secret Service have to go in and drag him out in front of all the waiting press of the world. That is what I want. And I, that's it how still I want could it happen. To yeah, that's how happen. I want it to happen. And I want I it mean, to happen in front of all these retards. The events of January 6th, you know, when you got like a, a riot, people storming the Capitol. I predicted this. 
You remember? On the outtakes, I predicted that this was going to happen, and I was very excited about it. And I even said, I think I referenced it as a a WWE SmackDown event. Like, this is going to be, like, the main event. Like, I was so excited about it, because I I knew this was going to happen. But it's not Mm -hmm. like it was some big secret. I mean, Trump was, oh. was, you know, inciting it. Everybody, you know, there were all these people being like, we, you know, January 6th, we're going to storm the Capitol. And, well, they didn't say storm the Capitol, but they said there's going to be a huge protest. And, yeah. uh, you know, I figured, I mean, it's like, it's a tinderbox. You know, it's a tinderbox what's going on right now. And so that day, I mean, it was so hard to work that day. Because we're, I you know, bet. it's like, you know, it's Wednesday. And, and typically on January 6th, this whole swearing in, I mean, it's just a ceremony, you know, it's like a, a ceremonial event where everyone goes in and like all the electors, you know, cast their votes. And then the, the vice president's like, hey, the next president's the president, you know, and it's just supposed to be like a ceremonial just a event. Just ceremony, yeah. But and then, not you know, this time. Not this time. Like, not this time. No oh, my God. And so everybody at work, you know, was horrified. Everybody was horrified. And everyone's all serious. And I had to like pretend that I was horrified, but I was ecstatic. Yeah, I was as excited yeah. as Donald Trump. I don't know if you heard this, but um, Donald Trump, so as the attack was happening on Wednesday, Donald Trump was walking around the White House. Because Donald Trump said initially, he's like, I'm going to walk with you. But he didn't. got the fuck out and was watching yeah, on TV. He uh, but yeah. he was walking around the White House confused about why other people on his team weren't as excited as he was. You know, rioters were pushing against Capitol Police, trying to get in the building. And uh, he said, this is happening. He was delighted. So this is uh, Senator, um, uh, Republican Senator Ben Sasse was saying that, uh, that there were sources inside the White House that said Trump was borderline enthusiastic because the attack was interfering with the certification of electoral votes. I wouldn't say I was borderline. I was fully enthusiastic. It was did, amazing. Did you just spend all day chubbed up over this? Oh you my were God! Full I, was, chub. I wouldn't say chub. I was like full mass, like you know, full. Yeah, full mass yeah. all day. <laughs> I, it was. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, we've not never in even come close to like. Yeah, I mean, you, you, yes, you'd see something like this in Uganda, you know, or maybe in Venezuela, <laughs> but but to see this in the United States, and it was hilarious too. Like Middle Eastern governments were telling us to settle down. Like the Turkish I mean, government yeah, called for Turkish moderation. Government. Yeah, yeah, the Turkish government. And, and uh, <laughs> Turkey invites all parties in the U.S. to use moderation, common sense to overcome this domestic political crisis. Brilliant. <laughs> and then I read that uh, Serbia was planning to deploy peacekeeping troops to the U.S. to help us struggle, you know, with our struggles to establish democracy. Um, <laughs> I, read that in the, I read that in the Onion. So. But, oh, but right. still, it, it's still Balkan applicable. Country. Yeah, the Balkans, <laughs> chilling the Americans. That's amazing. But it was such a great day for uh, U.S. democracy. One of my favorite, and so ma- there's been so many like follow-up stories. That's kind of what, what was cool about us you know, doing the show a few days later because we mm-hmm. actually get like the aftermath. Um, yeah. One of my favorite follow-up stories is pro-Trump rioters smeared feces in the U.S. Capitol hallways during the belligerent attack. So... <laughs> Right, 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 right. I have questions. Like, human feces, dog feces, where's this feces come from? What were they writing? Were they writing, like, Trump rules or something? Apparently, um, one of the vile attackers went number two in the bathroom and then smeared their extremist excrement around the building, leaving behind brownish footprints, like, all over the floor. 
Wow, that was it. He took a real fucking dump in capital, didn't he? Literally. Well, I think he took a shit and just maybe he took a shit on the floor and then everyone just walked through it. It looked like they tracked it around. Yeah. Um, and so now, Delightful. you know, that's the thing too. So you're, you're storming the Capitol, you know, you're smashing windows, you're climbing up the fucking wall, you're, you're, uh, you know, fighting with the police and everything. But you're staying within the velvet ropes. Oh yeah. Don't that forget. was kind of funny. Yeah, um, that was amazing. But I know these guys are against masks. I know they think masks are like, you know, for pussies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if there's a day that would have been a good day to wear a mask, it's probably when you're trying to storm the Capitol. Cause at least you could obscure your identity. Yeah, and you're not going to get charged with federal crimes. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, yeah. now it's like a federal, like the federal law is not going to be kind to these, you know, the the pro-Trump mob here. And so now these guys, you know, and then these people are all going to be completely recognized, and they have yeah. been, you know. And, and then they're going to go to jail, and they're going to have a bad time in jail. Well, what? no, maybe good, if they're all white supremacists. Well, I mean, they're going to... Well, I think you. they're going to have to pay huge fines. But, I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many characters that came out of it, too. Like, obviously, we mentioned the Viking guy hat. But what about, like, the witch? You know? Oh, my God, she's my favorite. <laughs> because she honestly just looks like she manifested herself there. That cheeky smile on her face where she's like, where the fuck am I? Oh, she was great. Um, yeah, like the guy, the, the guy who sold the podium kind of stole my heart. Like, I just love the way he's walking out and just waving. He had a bit of, like, wackily energy about him. I think it's, like, just the kind of way he looks. Like, he could be Wackily's cousin. There were a he? few guys there that looked yeah. kind of like Wackily. Mm. Wackily's got but, that kind of MAGA look to him. That he's not. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of has that look to him. Maybe it's the beard. Um, I love the the crying. I got maced girl. Oh, onion, onion girl. Yeah, the onion girl. That now that I find fascinating. I saw that she was carrying an onion in a towel, and I was wondering is is that something that's supposed to like counteract the effects of tear gas or pepper spray? Well, yeah, because you've got an irritant in your eye, so let's rub another irritant in your eye. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't That's exactly make any what's sense. That's going to counter it. I'm, yeah, I think the only thing that gets rid of mace or pepper spray is like water, like milk. air, and milk. milk. Yeah, I'm, yeah. so like, why the fuck she has an onion? Maybe she was going to throw it at a cop. Or maybe an onion does do something. I, I, I didn't, I've never heard that, but she's carrying this onion. And this is, this is one of my favorite things. I love this because she's so like, I don't she's so like committed to the cause, you know? Ma'am, what what happened to you? I got maced. You got maced. By the police. And what happened? You were trying to go inside the yeah, Capitol? Yeah, I, I made it like a foot inside, and they pushed me out, and they maced me. What's your What's your name? Where are you from? My name is Elizabeth. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. And why did you want to go in? We're storming the Capitol. It's a revolution. Thank you. Come on, dude. It's a revolution. It's a revolution, man. No, it's a it's a retard insurrection. Um, yeah. But the rioters now, none of those guys have masks. They're going in there. They're like stealing Pelosi's letters, putting their feet up on her desk. They're stealing like the, the podium. And mm-hmm. now everybody's getting identified because you, you, you could have just worn a fucking mask. That's all you had to do and no one would have caught you. So the rioter who stole Pelosi's podium... He's a married father of five from Pinellas County, Florida. Adam Johnson, oh, 36. Yeah. What do you think his wife thinks of this? Do you think she's all pro? I think she's pro? fucking, yeah, I think she's fucking proud of You think he got laid he, that night? 
When when he gets out of the fucking federal prison, he is getting a long, slow blowjob of her. <laughs> Married father of five. He's going to be paying a huge fine. He's probably going to do some prison prison time, too. Oh, these are federal offenses. They're going to jail. Yeah, you get charged with theft, violent entry, and disorderly conduct on capital grounds. Um, quickly identified on social media by local <laughs> residents. Yeah. Um, Richard Barnett, Arkansas man who was shown in the photo sitting on uh, Pelosi's desk with his boots on her desk. Um, he was arrested Friday. Uh, he actually turned himself into FBI agents. Um, there's a guy, uh, this, this guy cr- cracked me up too, Derek Evans. He's a West Virginia state lawmaker. Like he's a rep. Right? Yeah. Oh my word. He posted videos online showing himself pushing his way inside the Capitol. He was arrested Friday by the FBI at his home. He actually resigned today on Saturday to, to, uh, with a letter to West Virginia Governor Jim Justice. Jim Justice. What a, what a name. That's um, a great name. But yeah, he live streamed himself rushing into the Capitol building with a horde of rampaging Trump supporters. And, uh, and the, the whole time he was like screaming, our house, our house. <laughs> In the middle of the street. (laughs) But the guy that stole the show, and probably the most memorable, is the QAnon shaman, the guy with the Mm. Viking horns. I mean, do you know what I always notice about him? So you know, he's got like the Tree of Life tattoo on his chest. Is that what that was? I thought it was like some kind of Nordic thing. Well, it could be a Nordic thing, but it very much looks like the Tree of Life. But it's his nipple placement within that tattoo. I was fascinated by it, and I spent a long time looking at that man's nipple. Hmm, let's take a closer You'll look at that. You'll notice it now I've said it. Yeah, I was like, I just was like, why would you ever get that tattoo there and put well, your nipple there? He's immortalized in memehood now. Forever upon ever. Yeah. He was the star of my meme too, my Burning Man meme. He was He was the star of the retard insurrection. He was, um, and I wish they'd all dress like him. Can you imagine how intimidating? Like what? Oh my god, that'd have been great. A hundred of them. It'd have been like the, the it'd have been like the fucking like wildlings in Game of Thrones. That'd have been great. Yeah, that'd have been very it memorable. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Anthony Chansley, or otherwise known by his actor pseudonym Jake Angeli, is an Arizona man seen in the photos and videos of the mob with the painted face, wearing the costume with the horned hat. Um, he's been arrested. And charged with counts that include violent entry and disorderly conduct on capital grounds. Uh, he's definitely the most recognizable figure from the uh, from the riot, but he's also a prominent figure in the QAnon movement. And he's frequently appeared at right right wing uh, rallies, showing support for Donald Trump. Um, they showed him at a rally in Arizona. Well, and while addressing the crowd, Angeli said, regardless of the illusions that the media would like to paint, the lies that what we're doing is ineffective and that we are violent. This is black magic. If you really look into the elite and what they're into, they are into black magic. And they started spouting off on conspiracy theories that the CIA was infiltrated by Nazis who then went on to infiltrate the media with the pedophiles and all that. But now- with black magic? Well, the funny thing about like with uh, the QAnon shaman, I mean, he's been at all the QAnon rallies. You, yeah. can, you can see him on YouTube. And, uh, and uh, what's her name? The Air Force veteran that uh, rushed uh, the, mm-hmm. the building, got shot and, and died. Um, QAnon supporters are kind of turning on them and trying to twist the narrative by su- suggesting that the, like, the QAnon shaman is actually Antifa in disguise. Oh, right, right. Yeah. My favorite conspiracy is that uh, the QAnon shaman is not only secret Antifa, but he's actually married to Nancy Pelosi's daughter. 
don't know if oh, you heard lovely. that. I hope so. I also <laughs> hope that he's a black magic wizard <laughs> on the side too. Well, uh, he denies he's Antifa. He says he's not Antifa or Black Lives Matter. He's a QAnon and digital soldier. He said, my name is Jake. I marched with the police and I fought against Black Lives Matter and Antifa in Phoenix. Look up owns coverage and you know the own network coverage of a july 4th rally in phoenix capital i was standing against the black lives matter mob outnumbered but unfazed <laughs> and that's his thing like he didn't just wear that protest outfit you know for the for january 6th event i mean that's his it's thing just, yeah, all yeah. the protests he wears that outfit red white and blue face horned helmet and the ragged pants and uh his, he lives in his mom's basement I think this guy lives in, uh, I think he lives in like an RV somewhere. Yeah. That's like covered in like weird QAnon quotes like this one. He said, the snowball has been rolling and it's only going to get bigger. (laughs) It's all starting right now. Um, But yeah, I guess, uh, so Chansley has been interviewed by a number of different publications, especially in like Arizona, like uh, um, the Arizona Republic newspapers interviewed him as well as um, the Arizona New Times, um, he said that his beliefs were cemented by internet research and by the book, Behold a Pale Horse, which I've heard of that book before, but never, I've never to. read it um, up until a couple of days ago. But this book is the QAnon Bible. All right. their beliefs come from Behold a Pale Horse. Uh, okay. the, the book was written by an Arizona author named William Cooper, Bill Cooper, and it references groups like the Illuminati, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, and all the groups, you know, that are there trying to control and dominate the world. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like a compendium of every conspiracy out there. It, mm-hmm. it was published in 1991. And so Chansley here, the guy in the Viking hat with the red, white, and blue makeup on his face, and a shirtless, he said, at a certain point, it all clicked. He said, oh, my God, I now see the reality of what's going on. And he believes that Cooper, who wrote the book, was killed by the government to silence him. It's not exactly what happened. Um, but uh, the, the Los Angeles Times did report that Cooper was a wanted militia figure who vowed he would never be taken alive. He said, um, Chansley said, when you do enough research it all ties together and it all starts to make sense. I think he needs to do a little bit more research, but okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. This is like a glimpse into the QAnon mindset. Yeah, of how, they, how they're, they're thinking, how they're organizing. So I kind of started going down the rabbit hole here and I uh, was looking Ooh. into the life of uh, Milton William Cooper, otherwise known as Bill Cooper, the author of Behold the Pale Horse. And he's the forefather of American conspiracy theorists. I mean, decades before QAnon, before Alex Jones, before the crisis actors and the false flags, there was Bill Cooper. Okay. Yeah, pretty fascinating. And, you know, you can find that book. I mean, you can find an online version, a PDF version. That's what I did. Um, but you can also buy it. I mean, it's, it's still a pretty you know, top-selling book on Amazon. You know, well, it mid- must be. I bet it's been selling in spades recently, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, almost been 30 years since it's been published. Yeah. So. so Bill Cooper here um, was an American shortwave radio talk show host, an author, and a lecturer uh, during, from the late 80s to about 2001, um, where he did die in a violent, uh, a violent death, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, he's mostly known for his 1991 book, Behold a Pale Horse, 
in which he warned of global conspiracies, a lot of which involved extraterrestrial life. Um, that's that's okay. one thing that's kind of amazing about Bill Cooper. He sort of tied in, you know, governmental conspiracies with the aliens. So he's a bit like Nostradamus, isn't he? Nostradamus was always banging on about aliens, too. Uh, you know, he does have predictions, a lot of which came true, but he doesn't consider himself like a Nostradamus or a prophet. Yeah. Um, so Cooper was born in 1943. Uh, according to his bio, he was a Vietnam-era veteran of the Navy and the Air Force, later became a photographer of some sort, and then he eventually made a name for himself as a UFOologist, um, you know, telling tales and lecturing about extraterrestrial races, secret human populations on the moon. Uh, he, <laughs> okay. he had a predilection for championing known hoaxes, such as the infamous Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is probably one of my favorite conspiracies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cooper actually coined the term sheeple. For the every Did he know? yeah, that's his term. Like that's a term that he used on his uh, radio show, uh, which applies to uh, everyday schlubs who refuse to see the truth in his message and join him on his crusade towards truth. Um, we're mere sheeple, he would say, yeah. which is a portmanteau of sheep and people, obviously cattle by choice and by content. So I did a bunch of research on this on this guy, and you can't really find too much about his background. I mean, there, I've, I've read, you know, a few, um, a few accounts. There's, a, there's an author named Mark Jacobson who wrote a book about him. Um, but, I, you know, I read, uh, you know, several different, uh, no, no real interviews with him, but, you know, several different accounts. And Wikipedia actually has a little bit about his background, but not too much is known about his, like, background or education. Um, he claimed to have served in the United States Navy, and the Air Force and Naval Intelligence until he was discharged in 1975. Doesn't say if it was like a dishonorable one or not, uh, but he did have a tour of duty in Vietnam and did uh, and was awarded two service medals. He said um, in 1972, he was part of a team that briefed the commander of the Navy's Pacific Fleet. It was then they claimed to have read a trove of secret documents. And years later... In his book, he writes that he used hypnosis to recall the documents that he came across. And they showed, according to Cooper, that the government had not only made contact with alien life, but struck a deal with them to turn some portion of Earthlings into slave labor. And for that plan to work, the public would need to accept a global government. This guy was sniffing on some napalm in, in Vietnam, wasn't he? Something. Yeah. <laughs> something happened was, to him he was in sniffing Vietnam. on what? Agent Orange or something. Yeah. So after uh, he returned to the United States from Vietnam, he writes in his book, he attempted to tell what he knew to a reporter. Around that time, he was riding his motorcycle near Oakland, California, when, as he described, he collided with a black limousine. As a result, mm -hmm. doctors had to amputate his right leg above the knee. And he writes in Behold the Pale Horse that as he was recovering in the hospital, two men in suits visited him and asked if he had learned his lesson. They said, they, or Cooper told them that he'd be a good little boy, but he silently vowed to himself from that day that he released his information to the world. Who is he, Karen fucking Ringwood? <laughs> like, what the hell? Well, I think that was a defining moment, you know, in mm -hmm. his life. He finally saw the, uh, the men in black. And so he ended up uh, attending a junior college in California. 
I worked for several technical and vocational schools before lecturing about his conspiracy theories theories in the mid to late 80s. And so during that time, I guess, in the 80s, there was a thriving UFO circuit, especially in mm-hmm. California. And he bought this whole new fresh viewpoint on UFOs by connecting the UFO phenomena, phenomenon to the secret government and a plan to create a new world order. And so okay. he expanded the speculations of earlier conspiracists by incorporating the government involvement with the extraterrestrials. And that was kind of his theme. Uh, th- this is amazing. He, he said that, uh, this is part from one of his lectures. He read, well, that when he was in naval intelligence, that at least once a year, two nuclear submarines meet beneath the polar ice cap and they mate together at an airlock. Representative, representatives of the Soviet Union meet with the policy committee of the Bilderberg Group, and the Russians are given the script for their next performance. Some things on the agenda include the combined efforts in the secret space program, which he said was uh, um, being that there was a, they established a military presence on the moon and on Mars, and that's where this global elite you know, conducted their affairs. Like, okay, Bill, slow down a minute. <laughs> T- tell me how submarines have sex. Well, no, I think it's just they met. I don't think they were fucking. He said Kate. mate. He said mate. Right? Well, you tell I me think how he connect. Like, I-, I want to know about when it's, under the polar ice caps. It's reverse sex. cowgirl. I-, I don't know if you know that, but okay, yeah. Like, I can imagine that with the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union who had tons of fucking money to do this type of stuff yeah okay bill yeah and they would get their script from uh, the bilderberg group it's amazing though that this guy could like you know was a a paid lecturer about this and people would show up and be like yeah this makes sense i mean that that makes me wonder and i'll get to this in a bit later what he would have thought about the QAnon people he's like wow these people are actually listening to me in fact these people are not only listening to me they're wearing viking hats and reading my they book, believe. <laughs> they, yeah, believe. they believe. Yeah, I don't know if he would have thought this was an army or if he'd have been horrified. But we'll get to that. So from 1992, so after he was doing the lecturer circuit, until 2001, so 92 to 2001, he uh, broadcast his own radio show called The Hour of the Time. And this, he did this at midnight via satellite hookups and shortwave radio frequencies from a studio in his house atop a hill in the, the uh, white mountain town of Eager, Arizona, which is like way out in the middle of nowhere, about 50 miles away from the New Mexico border. So he had this like his sounds... own fortified bunker. Okay, yeah, this sounds like familiar you. to where I am currently podcrafting from. So yeah. me and Bill have something in common there, our fortified bunkers. And so his show, um, The Hour of the Time, very influential. It was one of the first to use the template that broadcasters like Alex Jones from InfoWars fame follow today. This whole idea of fake news, um, you know, like, uh, yeah. or not, the, the, the fake news thing isn't unprecedented in American life. I mean, uh, QAnon, Alex Jones, all their beliefs were influenced by Cooper. But I don't think any, I don't think it would have manifested in society as it, as it is now. You know, I don't think we would have had mainstream media covering QAnon um, unless it was something for, you know, without Bill Cooper, you know, being oh, the predecessor and uh, beginning these beliefs. Um, so Cooper sought to dramatize the urgency of this moment, you know, that, uh, that the truth had to come out. 
about what's actually going on on this radio program. And uh, people say the thing with this radio program, they, they say it's one of the most arresting sign-ons that any program had in radio history. So every, so he did it, it was at the stroke of midnight, you would hear this when his show would start. Nice. It's like werewolves in London. The air raid Hey, it's better production value than sick and wrong. That know? is something I totally would have like smoked weed and listened to when I was 17. I would have been into that. Yeah, that this voice. crazy nut job. Yeah, who's got to be like, yeah, you got to listen to this nutter, guys. Listen to this <laughs> intro. I'd have been well, you really can. You it. can go listen to it. It's, uh, it's online. Yeah. That voice is saying lights out, lights out for the curfew of your body, soul, and mind. <laughs> so Alex Jones, who grew up in Texas, he listened to Bill Cooper on the radio. Definitely influenced by him. Um, a lot of people know about the book, but a lot of people don't actually know about the radio show. But Bill Cooper had a great delivery. His voice was good. Um, sometimes he was a big drinker, so sometimes he'd have a few drinks and just go off. You know, I yeah. listened. I was listening to a few, and I got some clips I'm going to play a little bit later. But I can understand how he'd be influential. I can understand how he'd build an audience. Um, when Alex Jones first got his show, he would have uh, William Cooper on it every so often. But Cooper is a total paranoiac he is a paranoid man um and he's against anybody that has a radio show it doesn't make a difference if it's a good show or a bad show he's cantankerous by nature and pick fights with every other conspiracy and ufo expert and broadcaster out there on the same subject he had no alliances even if the as i say even if the person like had the same kind of ideals as him and hated was like, them I agree with you, Bill. He just hated them. Hated he everybody. Hated he was I, a I cantankerous. He was yeah. a cantankerous, crazy loon. And yeah, uh, yeah and he. I um, bet he was fun. I bet he was fun to fucking have an argument with. It sounds like it. If you landed on his bad side though and earned his wrath, you were excoriated for like the entire show on air. And he yeah. hated Alex Jones. I mean, he went on well, his show a couple times, but he did not like Alex Jones. I and mean, Alex I'm Jones is a frequent Bill target. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jones, on his show, traded in conspiracies. That's kind of what uh, Jones does. That's his whole thing. But yes. Cooper felt that he made up his theories, unlike Cooper's well-researched tirades. Like Cooper <laughs> right, felt, yeah. you know, he was in the Army. He actually you know, did research on these topics, experienced these things, whereas Alex Jones just wants to make a buck. You know, mm -hmm. um, Bill Cooper is particularly troubled by Jones's New Year's Eve broadcast in 1999, in which the host chronicled an apocalypse triggered by the flipping of the calendar to the year 2000. Remember that? Yeah, the whole like computer. Well, they just thought the, the world TK. was going to go crazy with the Y2K yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, Jones was completely out of his mind and panicked millions of people, Cooper said in a broadcast. Um, in 2001, Cooper said he'd heard that Jones had denounced him as a foul, as being foul-mouthed and an incoherent old man. And Cooper went on the attack, saying Jones was a complete fraud. He said he hoped his audience would tell Jones what he said. He goes, though I suspect he's probably listening because he does. Alex Jones, if you're listening right now, you're a bold-faced, stinking, rotten, little coward liar. 
go for it, Bill. You fucking tell me, Bill. Harsh. Another yeah. fan of uh, Cooper's radio show, uh, you might have heard of this name, Timothy McVeigh. Oh my God! Yes, Timmy. Yeah, That's according to the FBI, of course Timmy will have loved him. McVeigh owned a videotape about the botched federal raid of the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas, uh, called "Waco: The Big Lie" that Cooper had promoted. An agent noted that McVeigh's copy um, had an Arizona address on it, indicating that McVeigh actually ordered it directly from Cooper. Oh wow! What a relic! Yeah. Um, As everybody knows, Timothy McVeigh received the death penalty for the April 1995 bombing of of the federal building in Oklahoma City. You know know, 168 people died of that? I watched his uh, execution. It was broadcast live across the internet, and I was like 17 years old. It was early in the morning here. It was like, I think, like 7, between 7 and 9 in the morning. Were you wanking or not wanking? All the way throughout, man. Figured. It's probably the wettest I've ever been. <laughs> um, as part of the investigation into the Oklahoma bombing, an FBI agent visited Cooper in September 1996. And Cooper told the agent that he couldn't be sure if he ever talked to McVeigh because he received so many phone calls. Uh, though he did tell the agent a tale of two mysterious men, one who sort of looked like McVeigh but a little bit taller, who visited him a few months before the bombing. And they told him to watch out for something big that was going to happen in Oklahoma City. so bill cooper and this is kind of why he's well known is his prescience and his predictions were legion i mean he predicted so many things and he writes you know he writes about it in uh in 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 the book behold a pale horse but this guy was a veritable tinfoil hat wearing nostradamus he really was he didn't consider himself one but he was um so prior to the radio show uh he had like a whole roundup of forecasts he wrote in 1990. Uh, he had a newsletter for this this organization he created called the Citizens Agency for Joint Intelligence. He said it was the largest private intelligence gathering agency in the world. And so he uh, printed this. I, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. But it was on a dot matrix printer. And uh, it, it, it had a, an article on it called Every Prediction Has Come True. And he listed 16 of his most recent prognostications that had come to pass or will soon to be fulfilled. Uh, some of these were the CIA and the military are bringing drugs into the U.S. to finance, finance their black projects. Uh, he predicted that the rape of the savings and loans by the CIA is only the tip of the iceberg. 600 banks will go under the next few years. Um, he said that the current monetary structure will be replaced by a cashless system uh, that That's will allow the government though, to monitor yeah. every action by computer. Yeah. I mean, look at Bitcoin, you know? Yeah. He said, if you attempt to stay out of this system, you'll not be allowed to buy, sell, work, get medical care, or anything else we all take for granted. Mm-hmm. So then uh, this all kind of culminated in, the, in his watershed book, Behold a Pale Horse, that was published in 1991, um, out of like a small New Age-oriented uh, publisher in uh, Sedona, Arizona. With an initial press run of just 3,500 books, now by, okay. the end, by the end of 2017, which this article I was reading, uh, had over 300,000 copies sold. And it's still oh, wow. a really popular book on Amazon today. Uh, though I've read that they removed the chapter in recent uh, pressings, they removed the chapter on the Jews. So What a shame for you. You're going to have to go get yeah. an original version. Um, so 
Cooper would often tell his radio audience that Behold the Pale Horse is the biggest selling underground book of all time. <laughs> uh, but one thing, you, you know, one thing that's true, it's still one of the most shoplifted books in Barnes & Noble history. Is it? Yeah, a lot of that's people are uh, you know, it if I If I'd have ever written a book and that was like my thing, I would be so proud of that. Your claim to fame? Yeah, it'd be My great. book gets ripped like, off by everybody. Yeah, you know, I remember, uh, I don't know, it was a weird experience, but I remember like, I think I was on like Pirate Bay and for some reason, I was just like, oh, I'll do a search for my book. And yeah, a bunch of people just uploaded it. It's fucking yeah. $5 for the EPUB. Five <laughs> bucks, that was it. And yet you're fucking, you know, torrenting it. Whatever. It takes one to know one. I could, <laughs> I'd be yeah. a bit hypocritical yeah. if I was going off on torrenting. Um, anyway, um, the other audience, and this is another interesting point about the book, uh, since its release, Behold a Pale Horse has been among the most popular prison books. Like popular books in prison. All the prisoners read it. Which which is kind of weird. I was thinking that's weird. Like, yeah, I, you know, I thought books. so I thought so at first that well, there's a few different books that are really popular in prison. But I thought that was weird too. I was like, why is this book so popular? But uh Mark Jacobson, who's I mentioned before, he's the author of a book called Pale Horse Rider. William Cooper, The Rise of Conspiracy and the Fall of Trust in America. I kind of want to check this book out, actually. I ordered it on Amazon. But he wrote like kind of a profile on uh, Bill Cooper. Uh, he felt that the book, Behold the Pale Horse, resonated so much with prisoners because Cooper felt in prison even when he wasn't in jail, which is why he got so popular among prisoners. He had a real sense of being in prison, this idea that people are watching you and trying to keep you from getting to be a free person. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people would think this is paranoia, especially in the clinical sense, but it was a global paranoia, and a lot of people feel it, especially black people in America. So this yeah. book particularly resonated with a lot of black people, and a lot of rappers were heavily influenced by it, in particular, oh, wow. Old Dirty Bastard. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God, I love the ODB, and he was reading this book when he was in prison. And he, he read it many times. He was very influenced by it. And Mark Jacobson actually interviewed Old Dirty Bastard from Wu-Tang Clan, and uh, the old, he, he says the Old Dirty Bastard connection is a thing I find really fascinating because that book, Behold the Pale Horse, you know, came out in the, middle, in the mid-1990s, but it's still such an influential book in the prison system. And so Old Dirty Bastard said... When he, during the interview, he said, everybody gets fucked. William Cooper tells you who's fucking you. And when you're someone like me, that's some valuable information. Rest in peace, ODB. I missed you. But he's, ODB is not the only rapper who's uh, mentioned this book. Um, so there are other members of the Wu-Tang Clan, Big Daddy Kane, Busta Rhymes, Tupac Shakur, Talib Kweli, Nas, Rakim, um, Gangstar, Goody Mob. Uh, just wow. a whole number of public enemy, uh, yeah. Lord Allah, Lost Children of Babylon. Like all these people, you know, would tell their listeners to prepare to meet your fate like William Cooper when the stormtroopers breach your gate. Oh, my gosh. One of Cooper's biggest acolytes was the uh, late prodigy from uh, New York City hip hop group uh, Mob Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Jacobson asked prodigy if, if it was true that he had read the 500 page book Behold a Pale Horse four times. And uh, the rapper said, no, that's a misquote. I read it six times. I need to get that shit right and exact before I went out there. Um, he says, William Cooper wrote what everybody knew. And so for many in the black community, it's common knowledge that the CIA was bringing dope into the ghetto to further enslave the people. 
what was a big surprise, uh, the prodigy, was that AIDS had been whipped up in a test tube in Fort Detrick as a plan to wipe out Africa. I don't know if you oh, knew that. It, Did you know oh, that? Oh, is this it? Is this the AIDS? Uh, the AIDS <laughs> well, no, he had theory about he had theories about HIV. Um, oh, okay. I bet. Well, I bet he's got a fucking theory about everything. Oh, he's got Bill. a theory. This book yeah. is the Bible of conspiracy theories. Mm. He's got a theory. Everything can be explained by the Juminati. Um, <laughs> so it was Prodigy who brought the uh, Cooper's message to rap to the larger hip hop audience in a 1995 video for the remix of LL Cool J's "I Shot Ya." There is a verse in it that he says. The Illuminati wants my mind, soul, and my body. Secret societies trying to keep their eye on me. And so a lot of listeners, um, you know, attest this is the first time they'd ever heard the term Illuminati. Yes. And, uh, and Prodigy said the first place he ever saw the word Illuminati was in Behold the Pale Horse. He had never heard of it before that. Oh, okay. Jay-Z picked up the phrase on his 1996 album, Reasonable Doubt. So by that point, it had become completely mainstream in the hip-hop community. So... Behold the Pale Horse. I mean, it's a, it's a dense read. And it's like 500 pages. It's meandering. It's got, it almost sounds like the ramblings of a madman. And look, I believe I didn't read it from start to finish. I just kind of flipped through the PDF that I found. Um, and a lot of it's kind of hard to follow. But it's a oh, compendium of conspiracy theories. And some of them include the allegation that JFK was murdered by his driver, discovery of a plan to blow up Jupiter. There is a treaty between Eisenhower and space aliens. Um, <laughs> it's like, but some of his best known predictions appear in Behold the Pale Horse. So here, here's a, a summary. AIDS. Uh, he, Cooper proposed that AIDS was a result of conspiracy to decrease the population of blacks, Hispanics, and homosexuals. And so it was like creating a test tube in, at Fort Detrick. Um, UFOs, aliens, and Illuminati. So he claimed that he saw those secret documents I mentioned dealing with extraterrestrials. And uh, he said that in the, these documents that were plagiarized verbatim from their research, um, he said that uh, Cooper linked the Illuminati with his beliefs that extraterrestrials were secretly involved with the United States government. Uh, he accused Dwight Eisenhower of negotiating his treaty with aliens in 1954 and then establishing an inner circle of Illuminati to manage relations with them and keep their presence a secret from the general public. It's the man in black. Um, he feels that aliens manipulated and ruled the human race through secret societies, religions, magic, witchcraft, and the occult. And that what? even the Illuminati was being manipulated by them. What's his problem with the occult and like black magic? That's all fun. Why is he? What's his problem with that? Get well, off, I think the get aliens your, created your pale horse bill. to control people. Uh huh. Um, and a lot of his theories have been debunked. You know, a lot well, of obviously. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don Ecker of UFO magazine. Some people might know of him. He ran a series of exposés on Cooper in 1990. So I met yeah, a lot of good people. Yeah, debunked it. Uh, Cooper described the Illuminati as a secret international organization controlled by the Bilderberg Group that conspired with the Knights of Columbus, Masons, Skull and Bones, other organizations. Its ultimate goal was the establishment of a new world order. So the Illuminati conspirators not only invented alien threats for their own gain, but they conspired with the extraterrestrials to take over the world. 
And uh, he claimed that the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, was actually an Illuminati work all along. He instructed his readers to substitute uh, Sion for Zion, Illuminati for Jews, and cattle for Goyim. Oh. <laughs> Bill! Like, come on, Bill! Well, I think Bill had his theories. I mean, he believes Bill does things. have his theories. But I think, like, Bill needs to take a day off and just, like, you know, hang out by the pool. It's hot in Arizona. Just, you know, spend a day hanging out by the pool and just being normal. It's you amazing that Bill... It's amazing that Bill was married with kids. Could you imagine being this guy's kid? Oh, my God. Can you imagine how hellish your childhood would have been? You'd be like, Dad, there is no such thing as lizard people. Drop it. I just, oh, I just picture, like, he probably had a full-on bunker that was, like, ready for the nuclear war. You know, yeah. he probably had a fallout shelter. And he just, like... Oh, yeah, you can't disturb Dad while he's in the bunker. And probably the walls like... were covered in tinfoil. Like, I just imagine this guy would must be crazy. So here's a caller from uh, his show, the... Uh, on um, his show from our time uh, where they're talking about the Juminati. Okay. I, I believe that they, that they uh, um, overthrew his conviction because of that. So a little context here. Um, this guy called in and was talking about, I forget the guy's name, something, Jewish name, Jewish surname. Uh, he supplied a lot of the, the bombs and the materials to build the bombs to Timothy McVeigh. And okay. so when he yeah. was uh, during the trial, they ended up dismissing the charges against this guy because I guess he didn't have um, adequate uh, representation. And mm-hmm. so this this caller is claiming that there's got to be more of a conspiracy behind this with this Jewish man who supplied all these weapons to McVeigh. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite things about his show, Bill Cooper's show, is the callers. The callers are amazing. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm only going to play this one. A, yeah. a boner villain and just like all these insane Karens. It's it's hilarious. But a lot of guys like this guy. He, he didn't have a proper defense and uh, sealed the records and he disappeared. Okay, I saw it on your internet site where he was convicted, but apparently he, he never went to prison at all, I guess. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, they just let him go. It's probably the Israeli Mossad, I think. I think he's, I think, I think he's with... Well, I think this was a combination of the of the CIA, the FBI, the Israeli Mossad... Uh, the BATF and uh, several other uh, uh, the German intelligence for sure because uh, Andreas Strassmeyer was a part of this he's another Jewish uh, man who was a member of the German intelligence uh, structure um, who who uh, was instrumental in planning the whole thing right, well our government may as well be the Mossad and you know Capitol Hill is Israeli mm-hmm. occupied territory and, what, uh, what, what you have what you have to understand is this is not leaving toward an Israel of the world is leading toward a, a Marxist socialist utopian or they believe it's utopian it's going to be like the old Soviet Union world government world um, government whenever, globalist yes and whenever the media covers something up real well like this the way they let Spiegelman go like that uh, you, you know it's the Jews who are behind it no, gotta be the Jews <laughs> Jews behind it and, and I've never said that and, and neither should you uh, George Bush is certainly not a Jew but he's a part of it Right, he works for them. Yeah, they put him in office. No, and it's not that he works for them. You don't understand the structure of the organization that is actually bringing apart world government. The reason that they're able to recruit so many Jewish people to be a part of this is the Jews have never allowed themselves to assimilate as citizens, really, of any country. 
They're always Jewish. They always separate themselves. They always look forward to next year in Jerusalem. They believe themselves to be a part of a world, and they want to bring about a world government. So they're, they're sympathetic to this whole one-world okay, government ideal. But the people at the heart and soul of all of this, and there are a lot of Jewish people involved, are what's called the Illuminati. <laughs> Is that true? Well, I mean, the Jew. Bill stands by his convictions. I mean, he definitely believes it. He believes I'm, what he says. I'm getting some major Dale Gribble vibes from all of this. <laughs> But I kind so, of think that Dale Gribble is like easier to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely easily influenced. So uh, the Kennedy assassination in uh, in the book, Cooper asserts that President JFK was assassinated because he was about to reveal that extraterrestrials were in the process of taking over the Earth. No, he wasn't. <laughs> well, that's no, what he's about this, to do. This is going to make me angry. <laughs> no, he wasn't. According to a top secret video of the assassination that Cooper claimed to have discovered. The driver of his presidential limousine, William Greer, used a gas pressure device developed by aliens from the Trilateral Commission to shoot the president from the driver's seat. No, he didn't, Bill. I don't know how it somehow got in the back of his head, but it's, you know, kind of like shot and then went around like went a curved. Around, you know, gas powered special. I don't know how no, none of the witnesses there nor Jackie O saw this happen. Um, <laughs> the, oh, Zupru- no. the Zapruder film shows Greer twice turning to look into the backseat of the car. Cooper theorized that Greer first turned to assess Kennedy's status after the external attack and then to fire the fatal shot. Conspiracy theories implicating Greer reportedly snowballed after the publication of Behold the Pale Horse. Oh, that poor guy. Like, nothing, <laughs> nothing angers me more than people who don't believe that Lee Harvey didn't kill JFK. The, me and Bill would have argued over this. We'd have had a stand-up fight in a pub over this. I think and he would have schooled you just home. like he did that caller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he predicted the high school shootings at Columbine. So eight years before the Trenchcoat Mafia murders at Columbine, uh, Cooper wrote... The sharp increase of prescriptions of psychoactive drugs like Prozac and Ritalin to younger and younger children will inevitably lead to a rash of horrific school shootings. These incidents, he said, will be used by the elements of the federal government as an excuse to infringe upon the the citizenry's Second Amendment rights. Yeah, but that's not what Columbine was about. And only one, only Eric Harris had very briefly been on prescription drugs. For depression. Adam Lanza, and That's why though. he couldn't get into the military. From Sandy that, Hook. He was on uh, psychoactive drugs. Yeah, but I mean, that's not predicting Columbine because Columbine was a failed bombing. It wasn't, it was never going to be a school shooting. It was going to be but a bombing. It turned bombing. out to be a school shooting. It did, but they weren't doing and they that. They had because... guns. I think they were, yeah. they, and they had multiple weapons. I mean, they were ready they to, have multiple to weapons, shoot. They did have multiple weapons, it was a failed and, bombing. Yeah. But I the think they were planning on shooting off. as well. So, I mean, I think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could say this is just, he was saying that there's going to be high school shootings. This was eight years before, you know, the major one in There's Columbine. always been high school shootings in America. Me and Bill would have argued over this. Um, for many, including those who would later claim that the endless series of school shootings were part of a plot by gun control advocates to take away America's weapons. Right. Um, <laughs> and they say Cooper's words took on an air of prophecy. I'm, I'm uh, specifically addressing... Alex Jones, you know, Alex mm. Jones was claiming that, uh, you know, all this conspiracy stuff, that there are crisis actors at Sandy Hook. 
You know, none of the none of that was real. It was all staged to take away our guns. But it's interesting. Mark Jacobson's book says that even if Cooper said many harsh things, he loved his kids, even the ones he abandoned, and he revered the family. He might have supported Jones on the First Amendment grounds, but he would have denounced the thoughtlessness of uh, Alex Jones's claims that this is all a hoax. Uh, Cooper yeah. was a conspiracy guy. But he was like a, more of a desperate man in search of some kind of version of the truth. But he wasn't like a sick fuck like Alex Jones. He's not out there peddling these baseless conspiracy theories just to make a buck. Oh, yeah. Sandy Hook, that whole conspiracy. That whole thing. That he, was, he was just doing it to uh, for the, you know, the negative publicity, you know? Oh, completely. But, you know, hey, it's worked for him, hasn't it? Put his name on the map. Yeah. But it's also uh, put his name on many lawsuits, too. So we'll see what happens to that. Good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's being sued for like $4 billion or something. Uh, Bill Cooper never claimed to be a prophet. He said, I'm no prophet. I'm no Nostradamus. I have no crystal ball. I'm just an ordinary guy. And he said, there's nothing supernatural about his predictions. Anyone could do it. It's just me- methodology summed up in what he called his standard admonition. He says, and this is what he would say to every listener of his show, Hour of the Time, you must not believe anything you hear on the show. Nor was the listener to believe anything you heard from any other show. Larry King Live, Dan Rather, George Bush, Bill Clinton, or anyone in the entire world. Whether you hear it on the radio or television or from the lips of someone standing right in front of you. Listen to everyone. Read everything. Believe nothing. Question everything. It's a very anarchist approach to life, Bill. Until yeah. you can prove to yourself whether it's true or false or what lies between the many shades of gray. If you don't do this, if you can't do this, or too, too plain lazy to do it, then you're going to march into the new world order as a docile slave. Ooh. <laughs> and then he would, uh, he would, when he would go off on this rant, he would end it with the sound of a sheep, like, because <laughs> you're a sheeple. Um, his most famous prediction, though, came out on June 28, 2001, months before 9-11, it was a little past his 58th birthday, and he was drinking heavily, doing his program from his fortified bunker um, in Arizona. So uh, check this out. This is kind of what he's most known for. How about that? They're doing the same thing today with Osama bin Laden, and that's where I've been getting at. Can you believe what you have been seeing on CNN today, ladies and gentlemen? Can't Can you believe, believe it? Bill. <laughs> Supposedly, a CNN reporter found Osama bin Laden, took a television camera crew with him, went into Osama bin Laden's hideout, interviewed him and his top... Have you ever seen that footage? It's like a reporter's in the cave, yeah, like interviewing in him. Cave. I remember yeah. even seeing that, like, how'd this happen? Aren't, aren't we searching for this guy? I the time. Yeah. What did they, like, blindfold the guy, put him on the back of a camel, and take him up in the mountains or something? I think that's what it did, but Osama bin Laden was all about the publicity. Loved oh, it. yeah, he was. He loved the live Didn't life. he have, like, a one, one room in, like, one cave room or something that was just filled with porn? That dude loved he his might, porn. Is that, is that what you would have had? Of course. In your hideout. No, but I mean, when... Uh, the porn room. Yeah. When, I thought when they shot him, they found, like, just... Like, the room just had, like, a ton of porn magazines. Jugs. I think it, I think you're right. That does bring... Jugs flashbacks. magazine? Yeah. Flashbacks. Leadership. His top lieutenants and colonels and generals in their hideout. This is a CNN reporter with a camera crew. 
And he came out and told everybody, within three weeks, Osama bin Laden is going to attack the United States and Israel. Now, don't you think that's kind of strange, folks? I think it's a little strange, Bill. Um, he goes on to, uh, goes on a little bit further. And you know what his budget is? <laughs> Zip, zilch, nothing. Now, that tells us two things. Either everyone in the intelligence community and all of the intelligence agencies of the United States government are blithering idiots and incompetent fools, including the entire apparatus of the FBI and all of their personnel. Well, none of them can find him. Or they're yeah. lying to us. They're not lying. looking for him at all. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know, know if they ever is. were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think they ever were. But what are they going to do, Bill? Why don't you tell us? And whatever is going to happen that they're going to blame on Osama bin Laden, don't you even believe it. <laughs> He's a patsy. Don't even believe it. Not even for a second. Yeah, Bill, Bill knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. Bill has his finger on the pulse. Yeah. Another social illusion, social engineering project to change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world and especially the United States to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. That's the plan. That's why 9-11 happened. The CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the Defense Intelligence Agency could not find Osama bin Laden in their wildest dreams. But CNN had no problem doing it. CNN. This is, this is kind of like the culmination point. This is what it's all leading up to. And there will be a war in this country, a civil war to yep. restore, not a revolution, but a civil war to restore constitutional Republican government. That's what happened on January 6th. Now, at the same time that that's going on, communist and Marxist underground forces will begin <laughs> or try to begin a revolution so QAnon people right now are losing In their minds. To institute they a are. It's the prophecy. But QAnon is adding pedophilia into it. It's like not only yeah. they like not only is there this like world power, this new world order, but it's a new world order of pedophiles. Like they do take it one step further, you oh, know. Yeah. And so anyway, this is the prophetic um, point of this broadcast that that he's known that he's known for that the infamous part of it. Yeah, what about it? You know, that's that's a good time for it to happen. Yeah, well, I, I certainly hope not. But uh, if, I hope if, I hope not too. But I'm telling you right now, as I told you before, I I'm telling you that something's going to happen. If it doesn't happen in the next two or three weeks, something eventually, something terrible is going to happen in this country, uh, and it's going to be a terrorist attack. And we're uh, going to know who did it. And, and, it's, and we're going to watch CNN and whatever, and they're going to go, oh, it's and, it, and it's going to be big enough that martial law could be declared, and and it could start the whole thing. So there you go. And so what happened? This was in June. And so what happened just a, a few months later, two and a half months later, September 11th, 2001, Twin Towers. A terrorist up. attack. Terrorist attack. Killed 2,996 people, including 343 NY Fire Department personnel. Um, and that's the day his prophecy was realized. Cooper stayed on air for 10 hours. And in the initial hours after the attack, he theorized that the towers of the World Trade Center came down by controlled demolition. 
Oh, Bill. Come oh, yeah. on, Bill. And he made another prediction. He said that, uh, I can assure you, 72 hours from now, we will be at war. We'll be bombing two or three countries because that's how it works. When governments are attacked, they lash out. Thousands of people who had nothing whatsoever to do with this or what happened at the World Trade Center are going to die. And nothing will be the same after today. And he was saying within weeks, Congress passed uh, draconian legislation that restricted the rights of American citizens. So, you know, you're going to have uh, surveillance cameras on every street corner. Your phones are going to be tapped. Everyone's going to been lose. Way more impressed if he just predicted, like, you're not allowed to take more than 100 mils of any liquid on the plane now. <laughs> you got to take your shoes off. You got to take your shoes off. You can't be taking nail clippers on your carry-on. <laughs> you you guys are the worst in England. You got to have that little plastic bag. It's like a little size yeah. of a sandwich bag. You know, the, I always say that that's actually an affront to women because they, they consider all makeup to be liquid. Yeah, what about so tampons? You have to, no, you don't have tampons in there. Yeah, no, tampons aren't liquid. They're, they're you solid. could put a bomb in a tampon. Um, You probably could. Yeah, you can put a bomb in anything if you want. Well, I've got a bomb-ass bomb pussy, and they let me on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he told the audience that the nation itself, America, is going to be the true victim here. And his theories became the center of uh, future conspiracies against you know arguing that 9-11 terrorism attacks were an inside job by the U.S. government. We all know about right. those. He started it. Okay, he, he's Bill. the one. It all came from that. Yeah, it can't just be a horribly tragic event because America had been bombing the Middle East for like close to 20 years. And it can't just be somebody doing a retaliation. It can't be that, can it, Bill? No, that doesn't make any no. sense. It's a no, new world order. You no. Know? Um, so a guy like this isn't going to just die of a heart attack and be cremated you know, yeah, and, and put an urn on his home. wife's mantle. Not, mm. not a guy like this. So as Cooper, Bill Cooper, moved away from the UFOlogy community and he became more towards like anti-government militia, this is like late 1990s, he was convinced that he was being personally targeted by President Bill Clinton and the IRS. And so in uh, June 1998, he and his wife were indicted on three counts of attempted tax evasion. And the U.S. Marshal tried to serve Cooper with an order to appear in court, but Cooper chased him off his property with rifles, yeah. claiming he had no jurisdiction. I mean, this yeah, guy no, lived on this, like, remote, no. you know, cabin up there. You know, it was a bunker. He had, like, weapons. He claimed, like, he could snipe people, you know, from the top of this hill as a vantage point. Yeah, but he could. I mean, he was like full on paranoid insane by this point, you know, the late 90s. Uh, he posted a lengthy essay on his website describing how he was under siege by the government. And he appeared to be, well, FBI said he appeared to be relishing this role that he created, created for himself as like a true patriot mm -hmm. that's going to die a martyr. And so agents were like, you know, we don't want to have another repeat of what happened at Waco. So let's just not engage with him. They feared a violent clash. Let's just kind of let him stew in his own juices here and just see what happens. They did put him on an informal house arrest. And he feared leaving his house. He never would leave his property because he, were, he was worried that he was going to be taken into custody. So he just stayed in his house. His wife would go out. His kids yeah. would go out. But he just like, you know, hunkered up in his, uh, in his, his shelter. He'd 
He'd be great at lockdown. He's, he's you know, he's got the training in. I think he would have. Uh, could you imagine his, his theories on COVID? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm kind of, kind of glad that. <laughs> um, one of his friends told uh, the FBI that uh, he felt that Cooper sought to become a martyr. So if he's killed, he will end up being somebody important. He died for a cause. Uh, one of his friends here was probably this guy that said it. Glenn Jacobs is a publisher of a weekly newspaper called the Round Valley Paper, uh, which talked about a lot of political points and national events. Uh, he said Cooper favored Chavez Regal, drank heavily, and it, he became a, like a, a complete alcoholic in later years. Uh, the quote, he crawled into the bottle and pulled the bottle in after him. <laughs> and so uh, Jacobs and his wife would go visit him regularly and typically his children would greet them at the, you know, in his driveway and he was a family man. I mean, he had a wife, he had kids. But one day Jacobs went over there and Cooper opened up the door shirtless and he had a large bandage on his side, which he said happened due to a gardening accident. But no one else was home. His wife wasn't there, his kids weren't there. And Cooper told uh, Jacobs that he had moved his wife and children to a place where no one could harm them. A secret he's place. He's killed them. Well, that's what Jacob's like. Something might have happened. And he suspected that his friend might have killed his family. So well, that's he, what you'd automatically think, isn't it? A secret well, it's, place. It's kind of weird. I mean, if you're like, you know, a regular visitor over there, and one day you show up, dude's not wearing a shirt. He's got this big wound on his side. Yeah. And he reeks of uh, Chavez Regal. I would have been like, uh, so he called the FBI. And at, after that point, um, Cooper referred to him as Judas. Betrayer. <laughs> yeah, um, Cooper didn't kill his family. He didn't. Um, according to the FBI, his wife left him and took their daughters and they moved to California. I do not blame so, her. Well, yeah, I mean, this, the guy's insane. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> he's got oh guns God. probably in every room. You know, mm -hmm. he's probably making them wear bulletproof vests. You know, it's you just like, always be like, Bill, can we just have a bit of lighthearted humor? Can we watch like a rom-com together tonight? Can you just like take it from like 11 down to a four tonight? Like not everything's a conspiracy, Bill. Like, come yeah. on. And about, I bet every night, I bet every night he was just going off about the New World Order. You get sick of it. I bet you the movie Groundhog Day just set him off. <laughs> you know? I, bet you, I bet you wouldn't watch Hollywood. That's what the sheep will watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, the wife uh, spoke with federal agents uh, beginning in the summer of 1999, giving them details of her husband's daily routine and financial activities. Uh, the government ended up, because of her cooperation, they dropped its case against her in mm. March of 2000. Cooper, however, was telling the radio audience that he had moved his wife and children out of the country to a secret location for their safety. And well, so you're meanwhile, lying now, Bill, aren't you? Well, I think he was saying this to your, to your people. Well, he's living in an alternate reality at this point. Um, yeah. His relationships with his siblings were fractured. His drinking and his belligerence made him very unpleasant to deal with, especially if someone tried to challenge his beliefs. I mean, he would go off. Um, one relative said that the motorcycle accident that resulted in him losing his leg was not caused by CIA agents. It was just a regular accident. Yeah, that happens just hit by all a the car. time. When, yeah. <laughs> so Take that risk when you drive a bike. What ended up happening uh, when it eventually caused his violent death, so in July 2001, a doctor who had grown up in Eager, Scott Hamblin, recently moved back and he wanted to show his wife and daughters a spot where as a kid he had watched the storms roll in. It was on Rodeo Hill. 
And it happened to be really nearby where Cooper lived. Um, he had never met Cooper. Everyone knew the reputation of the crazy man who lived up in the house on the hill. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't know him personally. And so he went over with his family to go check out, uh, you know, this, this, this point in nature, this, this hill. And uh, he noticed his car was following him the whole time down the hill and into town and into the family's driveway. Yeah, so Cooper saw him on Rodeo Hill, and then he followed him all the way home to his house. Hamlin said he, like, got his family inside, and he walked up to Cooper's truck. He was like, yo, what are you doing? And as soon as he got to the truck, Cooper jabbed his finger at his chest, and he told him to stay the fuck off the hill. He also accused Hamlin of surveilling him, and he, Hamlin said he grabbed Cooper's hand and pushed it away, and he told Cooper he had no idea who he was. And that's when Cooper took a gun, pointed at his head, and said, you should find out who I am. Stay the Bill. fuck away from the hill. No, Bill's lost it. Bill's lost Billy, it. Billy, yeah. So Hamblin, this doctor, called the police. And at first the police was like, uh, do we have to deal with this? <laughs> you know, I they're bet, reluctant yeah. to take action because they're just like, all right, you know, the local fucking insane person. Um and then uh, they were like, all right, we got to check into this. So the sheriff, sheriff's office, I mean, you can't go around threatening citizens, driving around with mm -hmm. guns, terrorizing families. Not the families. doctors. So Come on, Bill. the sheriff's office issued a warrant for his arrest on, uh, Cooper's arrest on suspicion of aggravated assault. And then they were trying to plan the best way to serve this warrant because Cooper is a paranoiac with an arsenal of weapons who lives up on a bunker on a hill. Um... Cooper would frequently say on his radio show, they're coming to get me, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to kill me. They're going to come up here in the middle of the night and they're going to shoot me dead right on my doorstep. He wrote that he thought the government had dossiers on all the patriots and they would likely resist the formation of a totalitarian police state under global command because that's what the globalists are trying to do. So he said the plan would be to round up all the patriots when it would cause as little stir as possible. Probably on a holiday like Thanksgiving, when people would be home, full of food and drink, and sleepy. He gave his readers a warning. My recommendation is that no patriot should ever be at home or at the home of any family member on a holiday ever again. Oh, God, I agree with Bill. I know, I was about to say, out of all the insane things he, he has to espouse, I kind of agree with that one. I agree, too. Yeah, you know? give, give up the holidays. <laughs> but he was them. right. Around midnight, oh. November 5th, 2001, less than two months after 9-11, the police came to his uh, front door. They came a-knocking. So deputies would attempt a ruse to draw him out. So around midnight, they showed up, they drove up to the hill, they parked, and they were playing loud music, acting as if they were partying teenagers. Right. So Cooper came out to chase them away, <laughs> But he never got out of his vehicle, as deputies had expected. So they thought he was going to come out and be like, get off my property. And then they were mm. going to come out and arrest him. And that's when the, uh, the arrest went south. Uh, deputies converged on Cooper as he tried to drive back to his house. A tactical van that was supposed to block the street never got into position. And Cooper drove around it, like off the road. Uh, he then parked his truck in his driveway. And as deputies gave chase on foot, he got out of his truck nearly made it to his front door when he turned around and just opened fire. Oh. One shot struck a deputy, Robert uh, Marinez, in the head, leaving him gravely wounded. 
Another deputy, Joseph Goldsmith, returned fire, shooting Cooper nine times, emptying his whole gun. Uh, Cooper took fatal hits to his heart and his head. But his death at the hands of the police... As predicted by Bill. (laughs) As predicted, brought more credibility to his message. It most certainly did and will do. He's a martyr. He's now a martyr. He's a martyr, and that's what he wanted to achieve. And it's undeniable, you know, that this whole narrative... You know, and the theories that are in Behold the Pale Horse has directly influenced America's right-wing patriot movements. But oh, one in certainly. particular has been influenced beyond everyone else, and that's the QAnon movement. I mean, QAnon has some of the most, like, insane batshit theories of any of these uh, conspiracy groups. I mean, they, they, they think do. Democrats are doing the bidding, bidding of these globalists in order to shield their perversions, including devouring babies for their nourishing blood. You know? Yeah, they don't believe that birds are real either. They believe that <laughs> birds are drones. <laughs> but I mean, they, fi- they, they feel that there's an anonymous figure inside the government who's posting cryptic clues to the corruption and the perpetrators of these child sex crimes. You know, there's this Q, you know, who lives in there. And Jake Angeli, Mr. Vikinghorn's guy, you know, has uh, appeared at all these events in his outfit having, wearing, holding a sign saying, Q sent me. You know, he's the QAnon shaman. And he believes that there's these groups, you know, that control the world. Obviously, this guy, I mean, impressionable guy, you know, a paranoid, scared man, probably is never really educated, you know, probably probably educated to a like a high school level, maybe a couple years of college. He reads this book, and next thing you know, it's gospel to him. You know, this is a Bible. Every, yeah. si- every single thing, doesn't even question it. Which you would oh. think that Cooper would want him to, but he just well, takes it as gospel, Cooper like everybody else. Says, doesn't he? You, yeah. You question everything. You read everything, listen to everything, question everything, and make your own opinion. And do your own research on it. Research. And I guess, yeah. I mean, Angeli, I might be selling him short, saying he's probably poorly educated. Obviously, it's a, um, it's me being biased. Well, that outfit shows that. And but it's me being biased. His tattoos show that he is poorly educated. But the, the thing is that these QAnon people do their research. They go on the internet and they just go on different QAnon forums and they do their research. Well, yeah, it just ex- it compounds the insanity. Yes, you know? they all wind each other up. I read in this interview uh, with Mark Jacobson, the author of The Pale Horse Rider, they asked him, do you think, what do you think Cooper would think of the current political situation in the U.S. if you're still alive? He said, I think Cooper would be appalled He would. at what's going on I right now. He He's yeah. a constitutionalist. He's a believer in the U.S. Supreme Court. It's one of those things that you have to have faith in. And it's got to represent everybody, and it's not supposed to be political. If Bill Cooper is alive, at least off everything I've heard from him, I think you'd feel that what's going on right now is a logical progression of what he considered to be a secret hand of evil that was moving along to put these people who really didn't deserve to be in power in power and they would roll the ball further into fascism. And I think that That's, I think he's referring to Trump. Yeah. You know? I've, I definitely think he is. So what happened on January 6th, you know, a few days ago, was incredible. Something I've never ever seen in my lifetime. Something I obviously wanted to see. Not in yeah, not in America. And, and kind my, of not even in this country. But. Yeah, you know, well, uh. but you see in third world countries, but definitely not in like most first world nations, like a mm-hmm. rush on the capital like that. But in my personal opinion, the only event that might be better than the retard insurrection that occurred on January 6th <laughs> is retard insurrection, the sequel that might occur on January 19th. 
part two. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, I'm so stoked for this. I was reading an article that QAnon is preparing for the second revolution with a repeat of the Capitol riot. And they said that they need a second revolution and they're returning on January 19th carrying their weapons. To the Capitol, to the oh, Senate. Yeah. They're oh, going to yeah. just read, well, you know what, this time the National Guard will be called in, boys, and there is going to be a massacre. Well, you should be making some T-shirts that say Kent State Part 2. Well, I might say Retard Insurrection Part 2. But uh, yeah. there's been messages going around on Parler that says uh, patriots will be making their way to the Capitol the day before Biden's inauguration. Many of us will return January 19th, 2021, carrying our weapons in support of our nation's resolve, to which the world will never forget. This is written by Colonel T. Perez. I doubt he's a real colonel. Um, I highly doubt it, too. He says, we'll come in numbers that no standing army and police can match. However, the police are not our enemy unless they choose to be. Yeah, you're right, Colonel T. Perez. I don't think the U.S. Army will stand a chance against another retard insurrection. <laughs> no, not the U.S. Army or the Marines or the Air Force. None of them can match up to the numbers of you guys. Yeah. So now I'm kind of stoked to see what might happen on January 19th. Let's roll it on. Oh, God, it's so great. Anyway, people, this is episode 773 here is Sick and Wrong. We have news stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. Uh, but first, here's a promo about our Patreon page. Hello, Sick and Wrong patrons. In case you haven't noticed, and judging by the numbers you haven't, Sick and Wrong has their very own Patreon page, where you can find outtakes, extra stories, extra phone calls, and a whole lot more. These guys are putting out at least another hour to a week of additional content. To put it in perspective, here are some things that are more expensive than a $5 a month membership on Patreon. A pack of smokes. A value meal at any drive-thru. One $6 whore, three $2 whores, a $10 crack rock, a six-pack of beer, a beer at pretty much any club, one movie ticket, two joints, and two gallons of petrol. Hell, when you break it up, it costs less than 17 cents a day, and that's cheaper than feeding a starving African child. So sign up and help these Jews continue to craft the fine podcast we all enjoy so much today. So the first story we have here comes all the way from uh, South America, Ecuador. Police in Ecuador hunt a man who bludgeoned his wife to death and then super glued her skull back together to hide the injuries and make it look like an accident before arranging a hasty funeral. Okay, right. This isn't going to (laughs) work. This isn't going to work, mate. Have you tried it? You never know. you know the the peoples are gonna see the peoples will see the skull. There's a you know there's a, a fracture on it. Possibly he may, he definitely makes a good uh, college like try a, here. A three D puzzle, isn't it? So Ecuadorian police are hunting for a man who allegedly bludgeoned his wife to death before super gluing her skull back together to hide the injuries and make it look like an accident. You know I was wondering is that an acceptable use of super glue? Because I don't think you'd see skull gluing on the label. Like, you can use it for wood, you can use it for plastic, but I don't think you'd be like, you know, pieces of skull can be glued back together. Well, you can use super glue for wounds. Like, medical use. Yeah, like I medical would. Medical wounds? Like... And plus, if she's dead, you don't really give, give a fuck if the glue's going in the brain, do you? 
You're just like, nope, I'm going to piece this back I guess together. So. I think it would think be, about you it. know, it might actually people work. love doing jigsaws, don't they? I think it would be a very relaxing evening in, spending time, lovely spending time with your romantic partner, just gluing their school back together. How yeah, romantic. you know, and, and she'd finally be quiet. You don't have to listen to her blabbing hey. the whole time, you know? <laughs> so Luis Hermida claimed his partner, Lisbeth Bacariso, 30 years old, had fallen down the stairs and died after she was found on the floor of their home in Ecuador. They always say that, fell down the oh, stairs. She fell down the stairs. That actually like, happened come on. to um, a next, <laughs> in my childhood. Fell down the stairs? The next door neighbor was an old lady. She was in her 90s and I was like eight or nine. And she fell down the stairs and she was lying at the bottom of the stairs, like crying for about three days before Whoa. my mom was like, before my mom went round and like heard her. Did she die? She was in hospital for a long time. Dehydrated, probably. Have you ever fallen yeah. down the stairs? Yeah, everyone's fallen down. Yeah, stairs. everyone's in. I fall. You know what's worse though, right? You can fall downstairs and it hurts, and you're like, ah, fuck. But what's worse and makes you feel more embarrassing is when you fall upstairs, especially if you're falling. Oh, upstairs, when you're walking and you slip and just people. like hit. One of my saddest days was I'd, I I made some food. I'd made a sandwich and I had a cup of tea and I was like running up the stairs, really excited because I had my snack and I was stoned. I was like, I'm going to watch like Bill and Ted or whatever. And I fell up the stairs and like my sandwich went everywhere. It went all up the wall. <laughs> I dropped my tea and I just remember like I was like practically on the verge of tears when I was cleaning it off the walls because like, I was so fucking excited to eat that sandwich. Yeah, stairs are difficult to maneuver when you're really, really drunk. I'm always they quite are. wary of uh, running down or upstairs in that state. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like this guy. But the thing is, like when your wife dies or your wife has bruises or whatever, to say like, oh, yeah, she fell down the stairs. She's clumsy. Mm -hmm. It's like, come yeah. on, man. I at least come up with something a bit more creative. Like, you know, I was doing her doggy style at the end of her waterbed and she slipped on the whipped cream and almost, you know, almost fractured my dong. Yeah, it we, sucked. We, you know, we, we've been together a while. We're experimenting. Yeah. So I just did a little donkey punch. And the next thing you know, <laughs> fractured skull. <laughs> She's into it. She asked me to do it. Yeah. Um, Lisbeth's father, the victim's father here, Mario Bacarisa, was contacted by the father of the suspect, the father of his son-in-law, who said, you have to come quickly. Lisbeth is dead. It's a horrible phone call to get. So uh, he and his wife rushed to their daughter's house only to find a funeral home had already been contacted and a coffin was already there. Oh, wow. It's all moving very fast this day, isn't it? So efficient in Ecuador. Um, Luis's, the husband's family, reportedly asked the heartbroken parents not to contact police so the funeral could be organized for the next day. And they insisted they would pay for everything. What are they, Jewish? Putting the body in the ground while there it's still There you go warm. again with your anti-Semitic comments. You've broken your New Year's resolution. It's not anti-Semitic. You guys bury your dead within three days. Isn't it three days? Okay, I take it back. You're right. Um, you don't do any embalming. I thought you meant, yeah. you know, that they like probably got the coffin on Craigslist at a bargain because they're Jews. Well, that's because that's what you do. <laughs> that is but what you do. Isn't it weird... Though, would you kind of be like, all right, there's something 
there's something up with this whole family. I'd be like, family. can we slow down a bit here, please? Yeah, like... I've just arrived. You're not. We don't even know why my 30-year-old daughter is dead, and now you're saying that she's going to be in the ground within, like, a day. Like, did you skip the whole funeral home, the pre- preparation of the body? Yeah. Like, don't we have things to discuss here? I mean, mm-hmm. she just died. An hour later, you get a coffin on Craigslist. Something <laughs> is fishy here. That's what I totally. would have thought. Um Although finding the hastiness of the funeral arrangements a bit strange, a bit odd, the grief-stricken parents agreed because they did not initially suspect Luis. He had been in a relationship with a daughter for over 12 years, including one year of marriage. So, I mean, they've known him for a while. Yeah. However, Lisbeth's mother, Kathy, became a bit suspicious when she noticed an injury on Luis's eye at the wake, which he claimed occurred during a mugging attempt. She's, she's looking at him. She's like, what are those claw marks on your cheek? And he's like, yeah, oh, well, I was just trying to give the cat a raspberry. You know, <laughs> Less, lesson learned. Never do that again. <laughs> but I mean, come on. That, that's, a, that's a little odd. He's got this big gash so under odd. his eye. Yeah. And like, you know, then there's your daughter with loads of blood and skin under her fingernails in the coffin. And her like mm. jigsaw, you know, fragmented face. Yeah. Um, it's like her face looks like a Picasso. <laughs> he just kind of like shoves it back together. So later, Kathy was approached by her daughter's friend. So the mother was, was approached by a daughter's friend who claimed that Lisbeth had been insulted and physically abused by Luis at a party a few days before. Oh, no. But she didn't want to tell her, didn't want to tell her family. So Kathy walked off, the mom walked off in the middle of the wake and reported the incident to authorities who exhumed the victim's body to do oh, a so close, investigation. So close. I know. It's like, okay, Angela Lansbury here, Murder, <laughs> She Wrote, solving crimes at the wake. Um, the mother claimed they manipulated my daughter's body to set the scene. They didn't call 911, which I, I know is legal procedure. Um, speaking about discovering her daughter's body, the heartbroken mother said as soon as she got there at the home, she jumped on her, tried to revive her. But she noticed that she was already very rigid and the muscles were hardened. Like, well, there's a clue. She's in full-on rigor mortis. She's mortis, probably been dead yeah. for like a couple of days. Um, an autopsy revealed that the victim died from contusions and puncture wounds at the top of her head, which were then covered up by pasting them together with super glue. <laughs> makes me wonder, like, how long do you think it took him to do that? A little while. It depends how fastidious you're going to be about it. Aren't yeah, but super glue is not easy. Job. No, it's not. And do you know what? There's nothing more annoying than when you get a bit of super glue like stuck on your hand. Could... You're so fucking aware of it. Well, could you imagine? It's like he's got super glue on his fingers. They're probably glued together. There's locks of hair like glued to his hand. There's you know... blood. There's brains. Yeah, I mean, it would have been yeah. such a messy thing to deal with. I, I never could have done that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I like, the patience, it's personally. also not like you could do super glue on like a, you know, you break a glass, you can like glue it back together. It's like hard pieces of glass, but it's yeah. like, you're talking skull, brains, blood, mm-hmm. you know, hair. It's not going to be easy. No. Um, the mother complained to the forensic doctor because uh, he had shaved the girl's head. And at that moment, he pointed out the wounds that would have killed her and the ones that they put glue on with the intention of covering the cuts. Uh, the authorities labeled the case a violent death, and Luis, the husband, is the main suspect. 
Uh, Police Chief Francisco Hernandez said Lisbeth's injuries would have been difficult for her to, to have done accidentally. What, like puncture her, puncture her skull herself? And then um, try to glue it back together herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's treating the issue as if it were a violent death. Uh, Luis, as soon as uh, he had been suspected, has been on the run. So he's yeah, been, uh, yeah. He's there's, been out the door, isn't he? There's an arrest warrant for him, um, but he's been on the run. The victim's parents said they don't want revenge. They just want justice. I'd want revenge. Ecuadorian justice. I would be like full of Nigo Montoya on him. Yeah. You, you killed my daughter. Now I will take your life. Vaya um, Dios. My daughter was a working woman. They had no right to slaughter her like that, Elizabeth's mother, Kathy, said. They wanted to fake a domestic accident, and now they want to deny us justice? They did this whole thing. They did the whole scene. They told, my daughter, they told us my daughter had fallen, and now they don't answer the phone. They don't show their faces. Just listening to the lies they have told me tears my soul apart. That is weird. I mean, the whole family was in on this. Yeah. It is strange. I, I wonder... do like this Columbo mum, though. Columbo Kathy. <laughs> Columbo she's Kathy like, she's tracking down the it, murders. She? Yeah, and she's like, you know, calling the whole family out. I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you, you old meddling bitch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just find it so odd that the whole family, la familia, like they're very mm-hmm. like close-knit to, to cover up a murder. Yeah. Do you think they supplied him with the super glue and then they all just sat down and did the puzzle together? Because you know it is a family <laughs> kind of affair, isn't it? You do jigsaw puzzles, it's a happy family. It's like a whole family doing this is like a familial uh, engagement here. Yeah, I bet yeah, I wonder. Some arguments, somebody stormed out in anger. <laughs> like a family affair. Yeah. Sitting there drinking tea, putting the puzzle together. Um, I don't understand what happened, why he did it. He and his family tried to deceive us. They lied to us. They wrapped us up. It took advantage of our pain. So holidays, you know, going forward are going to be weird now. I don't think the in-laws are going to be invited to the next quince. You know, it's going to be weird. (laughs) Um, The victim's parents claimed the last thing they heard about Luis was that he was on his way to Colombia on the same day his arrest warrant was issued. They're never going to find him in Colombia. I don't think they're going to find him either. I think he's... He's a free man. I think he's going to go to Colombia. He's going to join the cartel. They're probably going to have, like, they have their own plastic surgeons. You yeah. know? Oh, so he's going to get a John Dillinger, is he? And he's going to put some kangaroo tendons in his face. Something. Yeah. And he's going to come like back. That. He's going to be like a crime lord. Yeah, they're never going to find him. Ooh. But the investigation continues. So, what do you have here for the second story? For my story, I have neighbors charged with killing girl for. They tried to remove the demon. Ooh, an exorcism. An exorcism. A four-year-old Missouri girl has died after being tortured and beaten by her neighbors who were trying to rid her of a demon, authorities have said. Hmm. Ethan Mast, 35, and Courtney Alman, 21, were arrested Monday in rural coal camp after the girl's father told Bennett County deputies a day earlier that she had been beaten and submerged in a freezing pond. A deputy found the dead four-year-old covered in bruises from her neck to her feet and wrapped in a pink blanket at her home. How how are these neighbors like exorcists? Like, are they like Catholic ministers, like priests or something? Like, how do, how do they know how to exorcise a demon out of a four-year-old? Well, I mean, it's like a pretty traditional thing, isn't it? So, like, you know, you drown the witch, and if she floats, 
then she's a witch. But if she doesn't come back up for air, then she was innocent. You know, it's like it's tales all the time. <laughs> yeah, dude. but they're trying to rid her of a demon, not find out if she's uh, possessed or well, not. Well, you know, casualties are going to happen. You got to do the litmus test first, and then you got to work on the removal. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. The girl's father, James Mast, told cops that Eastern Ma. Ethan Mass, sorry, and Omen, who live across the road from the family, had beaten the child over the course of two weeks, and they had threatened to shoot him if he intervened. The girl was assaulted with a leather belt and then dunked in a pond behind the home as temperatures hovered in the 40s. Ooh. 40 degrees Fahrenheit, I looked that up, so that's probably like about one or two degrees over here for the Brits. It's cold. It's dang cold. Yeah, no, you, you don't want to go swimming in that kind of temperature. I'll be dunked in it. Although madmen do, it's like a thing in Russia, isn't it? Where you're like, yeah, what do they call it? it? I was just trying to think of that. Polar bear? Like polar bear? It's, there's a term, like polar bear there's diving a, or something. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, no, you see that there's a video. It's like a TikToker. It's yeah, like yeah. crazy Russian guy that will like play chess in like this ice hole. Have you seen that guy? Mm -hmm. I have seen this guy. Yeah, it's, but like, it's like this eating sandwiches. Do it. Yeah, he's a madman. He's a crazy Russian man. The girl's mother, Mary Mast, was also allegedly severely beaten by the couple, as well as James and Mary Mast's two-year-old son. What, why, but, what the hell kind of neighbors are these? Like, why would you want to live next door to these people? And why aren't you calling the cops and being like, they keep beating us. They're dunking my daughter in icy water. They're beating my two-year-old. They're beating my wife. I think it's because guns were being pulled on them. Oh. They were under duress. Okay. So um, they were all taken to the hospital and they're recovering now. Even though this is like rural Missouri, James and Mary Mast, they're not related to Ethan Mast, but they I, all have the same name. I, I was about to yeah. ask you about that. Uh, you know, that does happen in these rural cities. Like uh, the name in Bay City, a lot of people are named Tacey. Like T-A-C-E-Y. It was like a very common Tacey. surname there. But yeah, there's yeah. like all these people named Tacey, but they're not even related. It's like, how's it, how does that work? Yeah, that's, that's like pretty common over here as well. Especially like um, there's like some Cumbrian surnames that are like very, you know, well, just like only Mr. in Cumbria. Bean. Like Bean. Like Mr. Bean. And yeah. then you'll see meet Beans, but you won't be related to them. Is Bean like a very common English surname? It, I know hundreds of Beans. Lots of Beans. <laughs> I asked how he could let people do this to my family and he stated that they that they were told Mary had a demon inside her and her children would end up just like her if they, if they weren't taken care of a deputy recalled James Bass telling him okay. the child's father so yes. uh, so they, the husband was going along with this because he believed the neighbors were like listen your wife's possessed by a demon She's going to influence the kids, give the demon to the kids. Your whole family's possessed. We'll take care of it. And he's like, all right, cool. You guys just deal with this. I'm going to, you know, go to the bar. Yeah, I'm going to drink me some bush light or whatever they drink out <laughs> in rural Missouri. I'm sure they drink sit. bush light or Keystone. Yeah, I'm just going to sit whittling something on my porch and, I'll, you know, go to the pond. To the pond. You guys go remove that demon. I'll see you later. Yeah, I'm just going to be here whittling. The child's father also said he was told by the couple it would be a sin if he or his wife helped their children or themselves during the alleged abuse, claiming that Satan would come if they did. Well, I would be like, I want to meet the Satan character. Wouldn't they, you? They, they must have been in some kind of cult. 
I I think these are the type of people that would read a book by a conspiracy nut and be like, well, I believe everything this man's saying. 9-11 was an inside job because you see that that jet fuel, it could not melt steel beams. How did their passports survive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could kind of see these guys talking about like, well, Donald Trump's going to cure the world of pedophiles of the global elite. And if, you know, they'd hear that and be like, yeah, you know, that does kind of make sense. Did you and hear that, that two-year-old's Tom possessed Hanks by Satan. Is a pedophile that Thomas Hanks in that film Forrest Gump? <laughs> He's you, do you remember, uh, I don't know if you listened to that episode when we interviewed that, the guys from that QAnon podcast? Yes, I did. And they were saying like, and they were saying like Tom Hanks is a pedophile. I was like, well, why do you think Tom Hanks is a pedophile? And they're like, well, did you ever see the movie where he filmed, like, I guess there was like a video that he filmed a child's sock on the sidewalk. Pedophile. Okay, I see the correlation yeah. here. Mm. <laughs> oh my God, he's a pedophile. He's looked. Doesn't at a take sock. much to reinforce yeah. his beliefs. So Ethan Maston Omen admitted to beating the two children as well as Mary Maston on Saturday during interviews with the investigators. You know that's a weird name. This whole Omen name. Al- it's, is it Almen? Almen. Almen. A U M E M. No, it's not Almen like Greg Almen. It's A U M E N. Almen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's a Omen. weird name. Yeah, I, I bet you that's yeah. what it is—a variation of Amen. Yeah, I'm at a loss for words about how bad this case is, and everyone involved is just—I know their hearts are just destroyed. Sheriff Eric Knox said, "People shouldn't have to see this. They shouldn't have to deal with this ever." Uh, the good sheriff Eric also added that the suspects and the victims belong to the same church. Knew it. And the Mm-hmm. And the tragic incident is believed to be some kind of religious type episode. <laughs> religious type episode. Episode. It is unclear though what church they are all involved in. Yeah, no, they they probably attend some kind of weird, crazy, you know, Christian cult. Yeah, witchy, witchy church. Well, I don't know if it's like witchy, it but it's like you dunking. get those like fervently religious, and uh, they get to the point at that at that point where it just doesn't make. I mean, it's yeah, it's basically a cult. So Ethan and Omen, they've been charged with second-degree murder, sexual abuse, and three counts of first-degree assault. They're being held without bond. The next scheduled hearing was on July the 5th, although there's been no update about what's happened. And also, they've not even hired attorneys. Well, I bet you, they, I bet you the church has their own attorneys, or they represent themselves. Well, the church is a good Well, you know, the next scheduled hearing is January 5th. So it's yeah, it so been it's been and gone, but they've still got no um, they've not hired attorneys. No just representation. Like, well, the Lord will see us through. So this yeah. is in uh, the Ozarks in Missouri. So the Ozarks. Uh, did you have you seen that show? And uh, they just canceled it actually. But uh, Jason Bateman was a show called Ozark. Uh, no, I have not. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Jason Bateman. I, I like I like that guy. But the first season of that show is kind of cool. I never really thought much about the Ozarks. But the Ozark, yeah. it's like a, an area a lot of people vacation with, but it's pretty rural and it's kind of outside Midwest, like pretty far outside of Illinois. I mean, it's rural Missouri, basically. But in that uh, in that show, there was a minister who would just do all, like he was crazy evangelical Christian, and he would do all of his uh, services on boats. So it would just everybody would come out in their boats, all the hillbillies would be on boats, and they would, and this guy would come out, and he was like this, uh, you know, evangelical minister. On the on the boats, yeah. No, it's it's a weird. So that's why, like, it doesn't surprise me that there would be some kind of like Christianity type cult, like some uh, insanely religious uh, 
Christian group out here that these people would be a part of and they wouldn't even think to question these techniques. Mm. Like if their neighbors are like, yeah, your kid has a demon, I can tell, it's foaming at the mouth. You know, it's like, I could tell he's speaking in tongues. We're going to take care of it for you. And they're just like, okay. There's a cool um, Bonnie and Clyde hideout in Missouri that's still there. It's been made into like a kind of, it's protected now. It's like a kind of mini museum, but you can rent it out. Like it's a flat. But you can live there? You can live there. It's on your, I've looked at it like on YouTube before. The bath is still original. That Bonnie Parker would have definitely had baths in. She was a big fan of the bath. And then my all-time favorite killer, uh, Billy Cook, he's buried in Missouri. Was it? Wait, was he from the in Ozarks? Unbacked grave. Uh, yeah, he's a Missouri boy. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And he's buried out there in an unmarked grave. But the grave, um, the cemetery where he is buried in, is one of the most apparently haunted suicide uh, who is suicides haunted cemeteries in, a, in the whole world. Whoa! I forget the name of it right now, but yeah. Yeah, I've never really we'll been do. to that part of the country. I mean, I've we, always yeah, wanted to go to Missouri that. because, yeah, I want I want to see Billy Cook and I want to go and see like the Bonnie and Clyde. But you wouldn't know a grave he's buried in. It's unmarked. There, yeah, no, I know where he's buried, but it's an unmarked grave. Oh, okay. There's no. You mean there's just no stone there? There's no stone there, but like I know where he's buried. I could like go there. And, like we should go there at midnight Billy. and see how uh, haunted it mm-hmm. really is. Yeah. Anyway, people, send your stories to gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys since both of my wives died and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring but thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code diddle d-i-d-d-l-e I am now so we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is the number of the Sikrong hotline. You know, people, give us a call. Um, I really want to resurrect the shit story segment that we used to do. As so do um, don't, yeah, you know, don't be ashamed of your shit stories. Everybody shits their pants. Some people shit their pants more than others. Um, I don't remember the last time I did, but uh, I know a lot of people like to shit their pants. Maybe not like to shit their pants, but they do shit their pants inevitably. Anyway, we want to hear about it. So give us a call. Let us know about that. Also, uh, over the holidays, we asked for stories about how you lost your virginity, and I've been inspired by this. Um, I'm thinking we might have to do a contest. Yes, I was uh, yeah, the other day I went and did laundry and I opened up my closet and I got this fucking huge box of dildos and fleshlights I got from Adam and Eve because I remember I, I emailed them in November. I was like, hey, I want some uh, dildos and they just sent me like a huge box of uh, stuff. And um, so, yeah, I need, to, I need to get rid of them. So anyway, we're going to do a contest. You call in whoever is the most like humiliating horror story about losing their virginity 
we might even do like a top two or top three. Um, you call in, tell us your story, and uh, then we'll choose like the most humiliating one. And I'll, I'm I'm even gonna throw mine in the mix. You know, mine has a better afterwards than a before, as in what happened afterwards. Yeah, well, I think maybe when, uh, depending on how many stories we get, I know I already got one from uh, Twisted Firestarter. That mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty that's a huge contender. I haven't played okay. it. I'm not playing it this week, but uh, maybe next week I'll play it. And I know Warwick Davis said he was going to call in with one that's a pretty good one. So uh, yeah, so we encourage everybody um, to uh, send your 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 horror story about losing your virginity. Uh, three two three five two two four zero three two, or you could email in an MP three uh, to uh, sickroundpodcast at gmail dot com, and you might get a fabulous prize that you could put your dick into, or can we you can insert inside yourself. Can we disqualify diddling? I just don't want to no hear diddling. like no diddling. Like I want to hear like stories about you know when you willingly lost your virginity. Yeah, but what if, okay. diddling well, stories. Well, what if you got diddled and it broke your hymen? Well, technically, yeah, but you could then technically say that I lost my virginity to a tampon. Can't yeah, you? That's, yeah, but unless there's a really good story, there's got to be a good story with that. There's never a good story to diddle in, <laughs> is there? Come on. Like, All right, no, we're, we're talking about like a sexual act. That you, act, you know, yeah. yeah, that you consensually, diddling, you consensually participated in. We don't want to mm-hmm. hear about you getting raped by your uncle or your other relative. I don't yeah, want to hear uncle that. Tony in the bath. Um, yeah, and I don't want to hear stories of like losing your virginity to like a dog or anything. Well, maybe. Maybe but anyway, I want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that might work. Anyway, if you want to win a fabulous prize, send in your story, your most humiliating horror story about losing your virginity. All right, first call we have here uh, came in from Gino. I think these calls are um, pretty on point for the theme of, uh, of this show, um, oh, you know, retard insurrection. Anyway, here's uh, Gino talking about a family, um, just a, I guess a good familial event, family sharing time. Hi, Dean Kit. It's Gino again. Uh, yeah, mum stories, God. So many mum stories. Um, I do remember the time that uh, she stabbed my brother. That was quite good. Um, <laughs> With touching, what, Gino? I was probably about 14 or something. And uh, in the 70s, was it 70s? Maybe early 80s, late 70s. Uh, and my brother and myself constantly fought. Um, mostly it was just him kicking me in the head. Um were you younger or were you older, Gino? I get the feeling Gino's younger. That's what I'm thinking he's older. too. Oh, yeah, and he's being bullied by his old, old brother. You know, my brother didn't. He never bullied me. Well, my brother just didn't really give a shit. I don't think he. I don't Your think he was liked living the fact... his own life at 14. He wasn't worried about bullying you, was he? Yeah, I don't think he liked the fact that he had brothers and sisters at all at that age. He was such a yeah. dick when we were growing up. We weren't, friends till, about... we weren't friends till he left the house. Mm-hmm. But me and my sister are really close, but we didn't like, I didn't like bully or anything. We just like hung out. But yeah, my brother, I'm thankful that my brother did not uh, bully me because that would have sucked. Yeah. And uh, our uh, ructions were causing too much noise for mum, who was in the kitchen busy peeling potatoes. So she shouted out in a penetrating voice. Will you two fucking pack it in? 
my brother being the mouthy shite he was, um, shouted up back, fuck off you fat bitch. <laughs> Which is probably not the best. Sweet is in the north. Sweet is in the north, D. That's what we're like. Yeah. No respect. Mum's just sitting there watching TV and chips. No, watching... mum's making them. Mum's making them chips, isn't she? Said she's peeling potatoes. Oh, and she's I about imagine to make that chips. somebody's about to get stabbed with a potato peeler. <laughs> but I mean, he called yeah. her a fat bitch. I remember uh, when I was young, really young. Um, my brother was a little bastard. Like he used to get crazy tantrums and uh, foul mouthed. He could have been. I probably was like five or six yeah he probably was eight yeah he was probably like eight or nine and uh he was like in a big fight with my mom my mom was really mad at him and he was just like you're a fat cunt (laughs) and it was like and my mom was so mad she picked up like a folding chair and was about to hit him with it and i like like a wrestler yeah (laughs) i think it was like a plastic folding chair she was so enraged that he called her a fat cunt cunt. and i like ran in between them i was just like no (laughs) (laughs) like and then she like realized what she was about to do and she dropped the chair and just started crying and like yeah and like walked out of the room and my brother was just like fuming Mm. Yeah, and and I think he ended up apologizing for it, but I was just like, how the fuck does an eight-year-old know the word cunt? Well, he's half English. That's how he knows it for a start. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't stab him. You're born with it, mate. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially when mum was armed. So she just walked in the room and stabbed him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite funny. Uh, Obviously, uh, he ended up getting taken to hospital, but Mama never showed any great remorse for that. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's not the only time my brother was stabbed by someone, so I think he was just quite a stabbable person. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I remember rolling about on the floor laughing. (laughs) Yeah, she's a bit of a psycho, ma'am. Sounds like it. All right, take it easy. Wow. You know, I want some mom mum stories from this. Like something his like, mum and the Wads mum, I reckon, would be best mates. Yeah, they, they would probably get along swimmingly. Something like this, I think, could occur maybe in the 70s or 80s, but your kids would be taken away from you in the US now if that happened. Yeah, and here they would. Is it, same they, in the UK. You can't even like smack your kids anymore, can, can you? I don't have children. I don't care. Smack them. I think you can <laughs> you can smack them still, can't you? Nah, you can't smack kids anymore, mate. You're gonna not go. Even like a, I'm, I'm not talking closed fist. I'm talking a little slap across, you know, uh, across you know, the head, to, like bam. To make them in line. Nah, I don't think you can even do that anymore. I think it's all got to be touchy feely, huggy huggy type bullshit. Let me tell you something. My mom used to hit us <laughs> with a wooden spoon. <laughs> with a wooden spoon. So you had this one wooden spoon that we all lived in fear of. And um, yeah, she would hit us with the wooden spoon. And I've turned out all right. Would drunk dad just <laughs> kick you with a boot? I have said this before and I will say it again. My dad was a pacifist because my dad um, was beaten by his dad. So he never he never once raised a fist to us. But my dad was could tear you apart like emotionally and verbally. If you ever wanted to be like, to have your entire personality ripped into, my dad knew your exact weaknesses and he knew where to go. I've seen my dad make men cry. 
by just like saying stuff to them. So yeah, my dad was a very psychological He was like abuser. A, an emotional abuser, but, but mommy would just pull out the wooden spoon. Would she smack you across the face or no, on your ass? No, no, like the ass. And it was oh. very rare, but I, the pain of that Did wooden it hurt? spoon. Yeah, of course it hurts. You've been hit with a wooden spoon. I'm pretty sure my mom would like smack my brother with a, with a belt. I never, Oof. I was, I wasn't a bad kid, so I never got Oh, you of were that. a good boy and never oh, got yeah, the belt. Oh, yeah, I never got the belt. No, I got the wooden spoon. I might have gotten belt. spanked a little bit. My mom used to call it a patch in the tuches, a little patch in the tuches. Yeah, to, to draw you in line. <laughs> I think every kid gets a patch in the tuches. Well, yeah, like, I think, like, sometimes kids are fucking unreasonable and, like, they just need a little slap to, like, bring them back down to earth, don't they? God, I spare the rod, huh? And then the child. you should full-on, yeah, closed fist punch them. <laughs> just yeah, in the, the face. The rabbi had this, like, medium-sized Torah, and he would just smack you across the head with it. Yeah, you know, as you were trying to learn it. <laughs> no, the rabbi, actually, he was he was a pacifist. Rabbi never... My mom was the, uh, like, disciplinarian. Yeah, I think that's pretty common, though, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, you know, yeah. Well, because the rabbi, out. you know, the dad's, like, out doing dad stuff. Oh, yeah. Whereas the mom's like, involved with the kids. Traditionally. Yeah, yeah, I think that usually is the way it works. But Jesus, my mom never stabbed anybody. <laughs> I want to hear some more stories no. about growing up in Gino's house. Gino's stabby mom. <laughs> yeah, I like her. <laughs> All right, this, uh, Maxie. this yeah. next caller is a, uh, a guy who calls in with a story about Spice. Which I've never smoked spice. Have you smoked spice? I have smoked spice. It's crap. All the the legal highs are fucking crap, mate. Well, it's They're synthetic like, marijuana, right? Yeah, it's like kind of like salvia. And I remember when um, oh god, was it plant food? Meow meow. I remember that was really well, big when I was god. like twenty three, and that was shite. They're That's like basalt, right? Yeah. You lose your the... lose your fucking nut. You go crazy. Go yeah. off your nut. Off your nut, mate. Off your nut, the, mate. Into club, yeah. You know, I've done salvias. I don't know if salvia is the same thing as spice. Because salvia is like from a plant. Yeah, I think salvia is like, um, spice is, I think, 100%. Synthetic, like, yeah. Synthetic. Whereas, like, yeah, salvia. Salvia is crap. I do oh, like my it. God. It was like the worst high ever. I've talked about that. We did a whole yeah, show on it. But it was like, yeah. oh, God, that was terrible. Mm. Um, but spice, spice sounds interesting. Hey, D. Hey, Kate. Um, I meant to call you guys uh, last summer in response to a phone call about a guy smoking spice. And he said while he was tripping, he saw two dudes with a Q-tip between their penises. Uh, I remember and- that. Do you remember that call? I remember that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it yeah. called? You had a special name for it. What was it? It wasn't docking, was it? I think it was docking. Was it docking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been docking, yeah. I have my own spice story I wanted to call in and tell you, but uh, I keep forgetting because this year's just kind of gone down the toilet. Yeah, great year. But anyway, I'm a nurse. I moved to a large uh, Midwestern uh, city. Um, I work in a psychiatric emergency room, so basically what that is, is uh, the police or ambulance will bring someone in. Um, usually they are fighting with their family or running through the street naked. We actually get a lot of that. Um, God, this guy must have some great stories. I bet he does. Yeah. Yeah. This one's pretty good. 
and the doctors have to figure out if it is schizophrenia or if it's uh, some kind of drug abuse or both. And it's usually both. Um, but we see a lot of spice use. Uh, and that, what I was actually calling to say is that on behalf of all medical workers and uh, police officers everywhere, please don't smoke spice. It's uh, the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, probably makes uh, using uh, heroin and meth look like candy, literally. Um, it's, it couldn't be as bad as PCP. Well, I've never taken PCP, so I can't say, but like... I've, I've done PCP. Have, bro, I straight times. up did not have a good time when I smoked spice. Well, I feel like PCP might just be more difficult to obtain, whereas spice, Probably. can't you go to like... I don't know, is spice legal? Can you go to a head shop and buy I spice? Think he, I think it's been banned now, but when I was when I like had spice, it was legal here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I've never Fucking really looked into Fucking years ago. It. I was in uni at the time, man. And I really looked into it. I have a lot of kids that come in in their 20s and their 30s. They look like literally mentally retarded. Um, can't tie their shoes. Can't talk in a sentence. Revolting and against spice. the capital. Uh, <laughs> so basically what spice is, is you're smoking uh, a bug spray or you're smoking uh, rat poison or spice. So it's not great, uh, but anyway, uh, last like year they brought meow, in a meow. kid. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he looks catatonic. He's sitting on his bed for about four hours, just staring into space. Uh, and then he gets up. He looks at me. He starts screaming. He tears his shirt off. He's like hulking out, uh, like he's a professional oh. wrestler. And I was like, man, watch out, watch out. And I was like, hey, buddy, what what's going on? And he just I probably wouldn't approach the guy at that point. Don't they have like don't they have like sedatives like Dexter's neck or something? They do. Yeah. I mean, this guy's a professional. I think he, at this point he's probably seen it all, so he can probably kind of determine the situation better than you or I. <laughs> <laughs> Psycho's like hulking out. I mean, have you ever been to at parties where you see someone just losing it on drugs? Well, yeah, I've like I've lo- not like lost it fully, but like on. Did you hulk out, kicked, rip your shirt off? No, I kicked everyone out of my flat. I was so fucking enraged. Ketamine, ketamine, I get super angry on. I God, can't I'm be around do drugs people with or you. anyone. No, it's just certain drugs. It's like, because I'm not like an angry person, but like, like this I is my can't... house. Y'all get the fuck out. <laughs> I cannot take ketamine. <laughs> it just really makes me angry. I've never once had a good ketamine. Time ketamine makes you angry? It makes me angry. I like, it just doesn't work on me. It like affects my I mean, brain. Maybe it's your chemical constitution or something, but I've maybe. never heard that. Ketamine Salvia makes me the creep. opposite of angry. I know um, salvia made me angry and spice made me angry. What does meth do to you? I've never taken meth, but I, I don't think you ever re- should. I'm, no, I'm re- I'm really good on speed. Like I love taking speed when I have had it, and I have a, I have bro, I straight up have a good time when I take speed. And what what happens when you do coke? I straight up have a good time too. You're not like get the fuck out of my house. How'd you, what'd you oh, say? No, Did no. you just like get up all of a sudden shirt, shut the music off and be like, get the fuck out of my house. Basically. Yeah. And I was like <laughs> starting to shake with rage and like people were taking their sweet time. And I was like, started kicking, like kicking the sofa. Did and you throw like, your tampon at people? Uh, well, only on special occasions. <laughs> <laughs> you kicked everybody. I was anyone like, you got to chill. Come on. Well, like, because uh, it was all, like, seasoned drug users, and it's kind of like, you know, like, 
when you're on ecstasy or something and you and if you start doing something and you just don't feel right you stop doing it that instant and you do something else everyone was just like right and they just got up because you don't want to be around that person anyways do you no, you're no fucking i don't want to be if i was around kill. somebody having a freak out you get the fuck away from them instantly. yeah you're like so. fucking up my high yeah exactly i was a right killer. through me runs jumps straight at me and i have this moment of panic I was like, yeah. I don't know if I should catch him or if I don't know if I should just let him fall and hurt himself. And then I was just like, I thought about it for a second. And then I was just like, uh, I'm just going if to, he, if he kills himself, I'm just going to let it happen. So anyway, <laughs> he runs at me, he jumps at me like he's diving into a swimming pool, <laughs> jumps over the desk, flips over, hits his head on the wall. And then he's just screaming. He stands up, he punches another nurse in the stomach. And we didn't know what was going on, so I, like, dove on him, and I'm, like, pinning him to the ground, and he's just screaming, Fuck you! Whoa, what a cliffhanger. That's yeah. a very, there's a part two. He, he that was a quick three minutes. Two. Yeah, Jizzy yeah, J, yeah. this is how you tell a story. <laughs> you know, I for sure would not have caught him. Because you think about it, this guy's I got, like, full-on drug strength at this point. This is like, yeah, no, this guy's got, like, drug strength. He's about to attack you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be doing that. I would, I would have been not. calling the orderlies. Like, come on here, get your Dexter injections and <laughs> take care of this guy. Here's part two. Hey, sorry, I went over three minutes. Uh, we're going to finish up my story real quick. So anyway, this kid's like, he's he's like running at me and he jump and he like jumps over the nursing station and I like, I just move out of the way so he doesn't land on me. Flips over a desk and hits his head on the wall behind us and then he, and we're just like in shock. We're like, what in the world is happening? And he stands up and starts screaming again, punches the nurse next to me in the stomach. So I like dive on him, pin him to the ground. And he's just like screaming, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I'm like, be quiet. And like trying to hold him down. And he starts <laughs> quiet. Bite, trying to bite. So, Ooh. and then he starts trying to hit his head on the floor. So I take my hand, I grab his dreadlocks, and I just pull on him. <laughs> I am not even the least bit surprised. Disgusting. <laughs> oh, my God. I would never touch anyone's fucking dreadlocks. I just picture some filthy gutter punk who just yeah, uh, smoked someone's spice or PCP, mm. and now he's just flipping out. Ugh. Do you know what? I've, I've like, you know, done done things I'm ashamed of in my life, but the one thing I am not ashamed of is I've never slept with anyone with dreadlocks. And I, I, never I used to have dreadlocks. I know you did, and I feel sorry for all the women who befell <laughs> under you. You had them at a time when it was popular, though, and even... Yeah, in the mid-90s, it was punk yeah. popular then. Even, like, in, in the 2000s, the early 2000s, like, it was kind of... I had of them in the early 2000s still. Yeah. <laughs> I had them, like, throughout from, like, 1995 to about 2004. It was a good period yeah. of, like, nine years, I think. But definitely you were the last calling point for it to be okay. Disgusting I, hair. It, it was disgusting. They are disgusting. Oh, they are God. No matter how many times. Well. Well, yeah, they make bad. you bald. No yeah. matter how many times you wash your hair, it still smelled like an old bathroom towel. It's disgusting. Well, this is why I did not ever sleep with a man's with the dreads. <laughs> Imagine that in your face as they're banging you. No fun. God, you'd have Ugh. to smell it. Yeah, it'd be gross. Mm -hmm. bite us and then like 10 police officers rush in 
uh, put him in uh, four-point restraints, and we give him inject him with what we call a B-52 bomber. So that's uh, cool. Benadryl, uh, Haldol-5, and Ativan-2. Damn. And then, like, I see him three days later. He's totally fine. And he's like, hey, sorry about that. <laughs> and I just, like, just kind of walked off because I was like, I don't even know what to say. So That was a little out of my head. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you. You know, you have a good day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> guy just had a full-on fucking Hulk-level freakout, you know, tried to attack mm-hmm. me, punched a nurse in the stomach. I don't even know what I would, I don't even know what my response would be. Well, yeah, my response would just be like, I would probably be like, what, come on, what were you on, mate? Yeah, I'd want to know. Yeah. I get some. <laughs> That's my story. I uh, see, I have more, but. I mean, that's my most memorable one, so I'm not a big fan of Spice, so if you're thinking about smoking it, please don't. Uh, I had another quick nursing story. Um, I was was walking to uh, give someone their meds. I went into their room, opened the door up, and then when I grabbed the door handle, I feel something warm and wet and crusty, and I pull my hand back, and it's, uh, if you can guess, it's kind of like a white, uh, crusty fluid. Ah. Uh, didn't really know what to do, so I just washed my hands uh. and went on with my day. One of my texts told me that's why they uh, uh, wear gloves when they do hall checks. So, D, I, I know you have a thing about eating oh cream God. corn. I don't know how you would do it work if you uh, stuck your hand in a, in a big uh, load of crusty cum and just had to go on with your day. Anyway, uh, stay classy. And, uh, uh, Kate, I love you doing a great job. Um, I got some more nursing stories. I'll uh, I'll give you a call sometime in the new future. Take it yeah. easy. Yeah. Oh, oh my nice god. Guy. Oh my god. Yeah. Fuck. I don't even. I would go home. I would be. I would it tell my boss. It's just come, D. Come on. There's no need to overreact. A it's stranger's just come. It. Well, what do you think the one night stands I've had? Do you think they've not given me strange come and I've dealt with it? In yeah, but moment? you voluntarily requested that come from the stranger whereas this is like <laughs> you're you're just in public doing your job and you put your hand in a fucking doorknob full of cum do you think I they would, deliberately would, like came in their hands and then put it on the doorknob or do i think, think they, they just like came on like winked off on the doorknob to doorknob. be like gotcha that's like that's kind of like a bit of a skill to kind of like you know get that all on the doorknob and to have it like kind of stay there as well it's like that's a bit of a skill they probably actually did in their hand and just coated it that's what i think that's the way i would do i would come in my hand and then walk around what would you do if you're at work and like you like i don't know you you're at the cockering factory and you go and like get a coffee and you open it up and like or you grab a cup and the cup is just covered in cum i would lick it lick it all up you would not you'd go tell your manager yeah, and it would probably turn out to be his cum, and then we would start a sordid work affair. I I would flip the fuck out. I would, I don't know what I would definitely be disgusted. I'd be disgusted I mean, if I'm at not only in a just cum. Yeah, like it's any bit different when you're in a hospital environment. But yeah, if you were in like your job in the office and you found some, actually, you know, there's this, uh, you know, Dan Fante, the the right the son of John Fante. A writer. Yeah, no John Fante, but yeah. yeah, he's he's got a good part in his book where he was working in like an office situation. He really fancied this girl who worked opposite her him, but he also hated her at the same time and she left early one day 
and she always had this same Pepsi mug and he just fucking took that mug and he whacked off into it, whacked off and like kind of cleaned it a little, but he made sure to like kind of leave a little film of like come in there and the next day she's in like, you know, the canteen drinking coffee out of it and he's like, fuck you, you fucking hot. Oh my God. We do so many world. stories about that. That that guy's a sex offender. That's fucking disgusting. Dan Fante. Well, yeah, he's, he's a sex son offender. Of John Fante. Well, he should be like well, he's, he's charged dead for now. that. Rest in peace, Dan Fante. Yeah, fucking pervert. Uh, we do so many stories like that where dudes at work fancy a woman and then she doesn't give give many attention, so he comes it on her comes. pencils or her keyboard or comes in her fucking tea. It's like using your cum as a dangerous as a weapon. weapon. It's weaponizing yeah. semen, You're which weaponizing is what happened. Which is what happened to this nurse here. Fucking yeah, I would have yeah. been fucking psycho nurse. I would have been fucking freaking out. I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have gone to my boss. I would have been like, "Come on my hand. <laughs> I have to go home now." <laughs> it's my cum in my hand. I, I don't know what I would have done. I would have been. And then really legend would tell of the day that D uh, wanked off at work and well, <laughs> tried to my blame cum. it on. Yeah, that's what you say. I would be wearing gloves every day if I were you, psycho nurse. Well, um, I would if I I was just reading here. So Spice is called fake marijuana or K2. And it's sold as a mixture of like some harmless natural herbal or plant ingredients. But it's not the it's not the plants or the tea leaves that makes the drug. It's the chemicals that they coat it with that yeah. get you high. And here it is in this uh, whatever this it's drugabuse.gov. What chemicals are in Spice? And it says you can't know for sure. Because they're not like laboratory chemicals that don't they don't have anything to do with marijuana so it could be like pharmaceutical grade anything you don't really know what what they put into Mm -hmm. it but what they do know it's not good so some spice makers will sometimes coat the leaves with roach spray to help cover up other chemicals that might be traceable to the spice producer so a chemical used in the early days of spice production jwh018 is so dangerous it's been labeled as a toxic poison (laughs) oh shit i wonder when was early days of spice like early uh, or mid aughts, like early two thousands. Oh shit, man! That's when I was taking it. Yeah, spice. Oh, well, not I'm only, still here. Well, not yeah. only can spice cause people to go insane, but a lot of people have strokes or seizures uh, because of the elevated heart rate. But it can even cause worse reactions like paralysis, kidney damage, brain damage. So yeah, if you're offered the chance to get high off of fake marijuana, you don't really know what's in that batch of spice. Say so. No. Probably smoke regular marijuana. I guess I've never really done it. Never, never really thought about doing it. It was not a good time. But the other thing I always wanted to try and I never had. It was like a. I don't know if it was like an urban myth because I never met anyone who'd actually ever done it. But you can remember there was the whole tale about you'd take a joint and you dip it in formaldehyde and then oh. you smoke that. Uh, what is that called? Did you ever? I don't know. But did you ever know anyone who did that? I I don't know anyone that's done it, but there's a term the for that. Stories, yeah, yeah. But I always stories... wanted to try that. But then, like, you shouldn't be smoking. Had I been 18 and somebody offered me it, I would take it without question. But nowadays, I'm like, you shouldn't be smoking formaldehyde. I think it's like, called a wet joint. A wet joint. Yeah, if it's a wet okay. joint, if it's like dipped in formaldehyde, mm. and there's dusted, and that's the only time I've never actually smoked straight PCP, but the only time I've ever smoked is dusted, a dusted joint. And like, I remember like my dealer, this is in uh, Chicago, and actually, and when I was in college in Michigan, it was like, you know, you can buy a regular joint, or I got some dusted ones, and so it's like dusted. It's like, yeah, it's dusted. I was like, with what? Like PCP. And I was just like, 
or angel dust because <laughs> you know it's yeah. like something you heard about but you never encountered yeah, yeah and so we're like yeah i'll take two dusted ones and a regular and yeah you get fucked up fucked up we used to do the british version of that is we'd crush up um our mitzi turbos and oh, we'd yeah, like yeah. sprinkle that into our joint and then we would kind of a waste pills. of a mitzi turbo though Oh my! Back when I was taking like ecstasy like that, it was fucking. They were a five or a tablet, and you would buy like twenty of them. Yeah, like, I used to got that. And they were strong. That's some good e. Do they still have yeah. those? Can you still find a Mitzi's, Mitzi Turbo? You can you still get Mitzi Turbos, but like I just pills nowadays. There's no drugs in pills. Just just take some MDMA. Yeah, that's, that's way more popular now. MDMA. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, people call Sigma Hotline 323-522-4032. Hope to hear from some more stories than the nurse. Yeah, um, I liked him. We good. have to think of a name for him. I think Psycho Nurse. I want to call him Nurse Nice Guy. Nurse, nurse Ratchet. Um, people check out the new Sick and Wrong Reddit page that we recently set up. There's like 300 plus people on there now. Can we just talk about that last? Yeah, but I was about to post, say, right? there is some I, seriously gross shit posted there this past week. I have to approve every post. And usually what I do in the morning is, like, you know, before I'm going to work, I'll be like drinking my coffee, having my breakfast. That's exactly what I was doing that day. I was going Can on the Reddit to approve the post. Yeah. And oh like very few things will make me feel sick. Like I can like eat a sandwich and read death scenes. I can like look at all. I'm not phased by any videos. of that. I'm not phased by anything, but my stomach turned for no, that, that video. That you one know got, which video I'm talking about. Oh, I know about. exactly what you're talking about because I'm referencing the same one, but that one actually got me because it's very rare. The only, the, I don't like uh, the zit popping, the the cis popping ones. I don't watch those either. I don't like either. that either, but like whatever. But mostly like yeah. anything, and this is involved like a naked girl. So most things like involving naked girls, like I'm fine with shit, you know, whatever, mm -hmm, piss, same. whatever, it's yeah. fine. Bestiality doesn't really bother me. This one actually disgusted me like it turned my stomach me. it turned my stomach and i was like eating my breakfast and i was just a bit like am i gonna puke put and it, then i approved it went on my day <laughs> put yeah. it this way watch that video you're probably not gonna want to eat cream cheese for a while <laughs> for a while it does, no it is it's worse than cream cheese <laughs> what that is <laughs> That is not cream cheese. Anyway, else. people go find out. Go uh, to Reddit, r slash sick and wrong podcast, no spaces. Um, yeah, it's, ooh, that one's a rough one. Uh, people, check out the new sick and wrong 3.0 Patreon. Um, we've been doing a lot of new stuff now with Patreon. We're definitely doing way more than we used to do. Uh, before we're not only do we do an extra story we do extra phone calls but now we're doing a brand new segment called sick and wrong news mm. people might remember um a while ago when wackily and i tried to change sick and wrong to be celebrity news because wackily is all about the news and uh I, I forget what i think i did a story about like kim kardashian or something but anyway we're kind of bringing that back, and now we're doing Sick and Wrong News, where Kate and I will cover topical news stories, um, such as this week we went into more detail than we probably should have about the alleged sexual relationship between Kanye West and Jeffree Star, which I had you know, previously not known much about that at all. But now I know a lot about that, and I don't think I really want to know about that, but it's interesting 
Um, it is. Kate has theories about who's the top and the bottom in that relationship. I um, do, and they all on the line. Yeah. So so anyway, we're gonna every week now we're gonna be doing uh, sick and wrong news. And actually, going forward, I kind of want to have uh, Steel is uh, going to sub some of the sick and wrong news segments every now and then. And uh, Wackily actually was saying he'd be interested in doing that every now and then too. Yes. Um, Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be something we're going to be doing going forward. Also, every week we do a bonus episode, a minisode, called Sick and Wrong Overkill. Uh, this week we kind of get into this conspiracy theory roundup that Kate prepared covering many conspiracies, right? Several yeah. conspiracies? Yeah, I found like loads of just like weird conspiracies. and but some, some that I had never heard of before. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, funny, so, funny ones in there. Some pretty funny things going on there. So anyway, go check it out. Sick, uh, sick, uh, Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Um, sign up today. And uh, yeah, you just get more sick and wrong. A lot, of, a lot of bang for your buck these days on there. So um, we do appreciate everybody's support in the show. It really does help us out. Uh, yeah. You know, I've been planning on doing some, uh, some big things. You know, obviously replacing some of my equipment. A fucking 2007 iMac that I'm still using these days. Um, but also, I mean, we want to upgrade equipment, planning on doing some tours and things like that. So all the support definitely helps us. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also, we got a tea Public store where you can get some sick and wrong, wrong, sick and wrong merch. Um, they do have a sale coming up soon. Uh, we have like an account rep that messaged me. It was weird. He messaged me with like all these questions about like, how have you liked working with tea Public and what can tea Public do differently? And this whole thing, and I just have been ignoring it. And then yeah. uh, Friday, he was just like, hey D, just checking in about the preguntas. And I was like- The, the preguntas? Yeah, it's like a Spanish term for questions, pregunta. And I was just oh my like, God, oh, this guy God, is totally a surfer stoner dude, isn't he? Uh, I was just yeah. like, all right, fine. I did respond. You know what I said? I was like, how can uh, T Public do better? I was just like, I think you should uh, try to find worldwide shipping. You know, get worldwide shipping and nice. lower the cost of ship to, uh, we have a lot of fans in the UK, a lot of fans in Europe, and it costs so much to, to ship. Like, yeah. you know, anything that's not a t shirt, it costs a lot of money to ship over there. So I think maybe you should look into yes. uh, better fulfillment. Uh, that way, haven't heard a response back to my preguntas, my answers to his preguntas. But anyway, there's going to be a Tee Public uh, sale come up soon where you get like 30% off. 30% off. Uh, Sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope and go to the Tee Public store. Finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. It was Kate's favorite, one of Kate's favorite musicians, Ron Ashton, guitarist of the Stooges. Uh, yeah. member of the band New Order and member of one of Kate's favorite band, Destroy All Monsters. Uh, the anniversary of his death was January 6th. Um, when, what year did he die? Was it the 90s? It was, it's been, I think, um, 11 years now. Oh, okay. So he died actually in the 2000s. Um, he died yeah. of a heart attack, right? January 6th. Yeah, bless him. Love Ron Ashton. Was it a conspiracy? No, it wasn't. He had heart disease. Really oh, okay. Sad. So the Illuminati yeah. weren't trying to get rid of... Uh, no, didn't run Ashton. Didn't wear a lot of like uh, Nazi outfits. He did, but he's a war baby, like Lemmy, and his dad was in the war. So, like, I think his well, dad. The Juminati took care of Lemmy. Jumin. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And Niagara, the singer from Destroy All Monsters, she's the best. Yeah. She's my amazing idol. band. If people haven't heard Destroy All Monsters, they're fucking awesome. Yeah. Been around 30 years, that band. Um, yeah. And what's kind of cool about uh, Niagara is you can, like, through her website, she's an artist too. Uh, you can order it directly from her. 
You can order She's books, great. you can order uh, albums, things like that. So anyway, we're going to end the show here. One of Kate's picks, a song called November 22nd, 1963 by Destroy All Monsters. People will be back next week with uh, episode 774. Until then, take it sleazy.
We're at the Capitol. It just got stormed. I got a text message from one of my buddies saying that they locked all of the congressmen and senators and Mike Pence up. It's crazy. I heard people got tear gas. This is nuts. This is history. This is America. We love our president. Let's go.